my first day as a member of the 501st. It was hot, it was sandy, chaotic. Nothing at all like the simulations on Camino. Of course, that's pretty much the way it was for all of us, wasn't it? All that breeding, all those years of training. It doesn't really prepare you for all the screaming or the blood, does it? Frankly, I'm still amazed we ever made it through the first hour. Never mind the first day. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC, and we are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com, but also coming to you through the power of iTunes and Google Play, and also our good friends over at the Star Wars Underworld, and uh, yeah... We have another amazing episode for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about something we really never talk about. Like, never. But we're making an exception tonight because it was a big event over the weekend and just ended earlier this week. And we thought, hey, it seems like the perfect time to do this. Of course, tonight is going to be a big old top five episode. You guys love those. We love them too. And we're going to get into what exactly the topic's going to be. But before we do that, of course, introductions are in order. And for those who don't know, my name is Ben. And for anyone else, my good friend and co-host, let me start over. My, I have brain fart there. <laughs> really? Yeah, I have brain farts. It just happens. My name is Ben, and joining me, as he always does, is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Zach, what what are you playing tonight? Uh, does the fiddle count? I, I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, no no restrictions there. Oh, <laughs> uh, just kidding. I can't play a musical instrument for the life of me. If somebody pointed a gun at me and said, "You must play a musical instrument, and you must play a song." on that instrument, I'd be like, just kill me now. (laughs) (laughs) I can kind of do, like, a part of the up soundtrack on the piano, but that's because it's, like, literally three or four keys, and it's just like, bum, 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 and then I'm done. (laughs) Like, that's that's about all I can do. I can sing. Karaoke's actually one of my favorite things, Uh, but don't tell anybody I said that. Um... (laughs) But uh, I'm actually I'm actually way better at singing than I am at, at playing musical instruments. So, um, yeah, I would I would be. But uh, the other thing that I'm not that great at, but I still enjoy it, is playing video games. Yeah. You know, you you were mentioning an event, and that of course is E3 happened, and there's a lot of you know new information that came out from E3 about certain games that we're both excited for, and so. We're going to touch on those in just a second here, but 
You know, it's interesting. The gaming world is something that we're not exactly experts on. At least I'm not. I, I don't have as much expertise as I wish I did. I've got yes, a lot I... of friends who have played a lot of really awesome games, and I've seen them play some really awesome games. And I've helped them play some really awesome games. Um, our friends over at Next Level, they're not really doing a whole lot right now, but they have done some really cool uh, Let's Play type of, of uh, videos on their channel for a while there. And um, I gave them the idea to play a couple of different games and try them out. And so I did that, and I helped them play a couple of games that were really trippy. And uh, it was fun. But the, the problem is... When you're podcasting on two different shows, it's it's down to one now, but I had been doing two podcasts for a while there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're also working a full-time job, and you've got family obligations, and you've got to watch movies for said podcast. <laughs> uh, and then you throw in, I don't know, something like graduate school on top of all that. Yeah. Where do you have time for it, man? Like, I, I guess I could cut out sleep down to four hours a night or something, but... I think I just enjoy sleep a little too much for that. Yeah, no, no, not interested. Not interested in losing any more sleep than I already do. Right. Um, so, yeah. But there is there is some nostalgia attached to some of these games. Uh-huh. And there is some, some relevance attached to some of these games, not just in our fandom, but also in the way that we enjoy uh, passing the time. And so... I think it's interesting what's going to play out in our top fives and interesting to see what plays out in other people's top fives, some of the stuff that they enjoy uh, being a part of. Uh, Looking at top five video games is a really abstract concept because there's a lot of different types of games out there. Everything from a simulated Sudoku to uh, something like Skyrim, you know? Yeah. There's just these endless possibilities of different games you could play. And they all go back to like the original arcade games like Pac-Man and Galaga, you know? With right. without without those, we don't have everything else that came after. And so I, I was really disappointed to see that none of like the arcade style video games got mentioned in anyone's top five. So I'm giving them a shout out now before anybody forgets. Because <laughs> if we forget it would be a a grave uh, tragedy to to not give reference to certain games like that because, like I said, without them, we don't get some of the greatness that we've got on these gaming consoles today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's there's. I mean, people and when you say video games, people think of a hey, PlayStation Four, Xbox, like, but video games go way back. And oh like, yeah. It's it's funny how like. It started with the, you know, arcade games. And those kind of come back around. Like, you see more arcades now than you ever have. Um, because kind of people are kind of, I don't know if they're bored with, like, home video games. But, like, they're definitely, like, there's nothing th- quite like playing Pac-Man on an arcade versus just playing it on your phone. <laughs> well, and I think there's something to be said about the communal aspect of arcades as well. Absolutely. You know, there, there's there's a place in uh, in the downtown district of where I live that's called Free Play, and you pay a flat rate to gain entrance to this place, and then all the arcade games inside are set to be free. So you just pay a flat rate, and then you can play the games inside for as much as you want for as long as you want. 
and some of them are two players, so you could you could play with a friend or a family member or just play against somebody else that's there. Um, they've got like a whole row of pinball machines, like ten or twelve of them, so you could just play pinball the whole time if you wanted to. Like, there's all kinds of different ways to to enjoy these different types of video games. I think one of them has like a roller coaster simulator where you just get in the box and you sit down, and the screen simulates like a, a roller coaster for you. Yeah. There's all yeah. kind. There's all kinds of different games out there. Um, I I'm pretty sure you've played this before, but I I just want to confirm. Did you ever play the Star Wars Battle Pod at some of those arcades? Many times, because there there is there is one particular arcade near me that has it, and uh, every chance I get, I go over there and, and I can I can play it there. And they have a bunch of other stuff. They don't have like the like fully like free to play like for a certain amount of time system, but it's still like a carded thing where you can kind of go in and just you know go to a kiosk, fill up your you know rack up on points and then you yep. can you know you know pay for that there and then you know basically come back at any time and, and use it i think it's i think the place they made me 24 7 which is crazy oh um, so and it's it's just those things keep popping up more and more and there's like two or three within like a mile of each other like um near me so they're getting a lot more popular and it's, it's just great that you know now it's 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 a thing. It's not it's a special thing to go to an arcade now. It's not like this, oh, you could just go play Galaga on your on, you know, your TV or whatever. No, this is something that's actually coming making a comeback as kind of an event thing. Yeah. Very much so. And I I think that is is largely in part it's like everything's kind of circling back around because you had those arcade games, and then people wanted to play on their own. Then the advent of the internet is in such a way that you can play with people online, and you're doing that with, you know, Halo parties or, or Xbox parties or whatever. And then you want to meet those people in person, so then arcades kind of become popular again because you want to play games with people face-to-face. Right. And so, like, it, it's become, like, this cyclical thing where – Oh, I want to be by myself. Oh, I want to be with people. Oh, I want to see people. Okay, you can go away now, people. And now people are buying home arcade game systems. That's something else that's a that's a that's a relatively new thing. I went to Walmart one time and they were selling like a arcade style uh uh Pac-Man game for like $300. Yeah, I think I've seen a similar thing. Yeah, they're they're doing kind of these they're kind of shorter but still relatively the same thing that you would get in yep. an arcade. Um, yep. Amazing. Like, you need to take them home and set them up, and, like, you've got that in your home. Yeah. So if you want to have a game room, you could have a literal game room with, like, a pinball table, uh, Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, uh, Galaga, uh, Dig Dug. There's a couple of Mario games that I'd be really interested in. There's a Star Trek game that I played at one of those uh, free-play arcade systems that was really, really cool. So... Yeah, I uh, got to give a shout out to arcades because they're they're really fun and they're kind of what got the ball rolling for the whole video game world. Uh, if we're being totally honest, absolutely. And you know, bringing this back around, and they they just announced at E3, um, a Star Wars arcade old school. I'm sure this thing's gonna be really expensive, but it has the uh, three original. I think it's the Super Star Wars and Super Empire Strikes Back or something like that. Oh wow! Um, that's gonna be on the old thing. It has like a yoke on it and everything. Like it's really cool. And so like even like at E3, which is the Electronic Entertainment Expo, like this big thing where they're showcasing the newest stuff. 
they're throwing this stuff back to the old stuff because people that's what people want like people want that and like it's cool to me I have no nostalgia for it because I never played those games because they were before my time but right. still it's cool it's really cool that they're bringing that stuff back yeah it, it, that was definitely before my time as well so it's it, it's it's nice to know that that generation has not been forgotten right because you know without them we don't have everything else that we've got and so um, it's 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 really interesting what an inclusive world gaming is. Everything from uh, arcade games to video games. It's like its own separate world, its own separate community. Oh, and man. I'm glad that we get to tap into that community a little bit tonight. Um, we got probably well over a dozen different submissions for tonight, I think. I'm going through the list here. There's like two, three, let me see, four, five, six, seven... 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 lists, not including ours. So there's going to be 20 different top five lists going on tonight. But before we do that, some gaming news from E3, as you alluded to. And since we're on the topic of Star Wars, let's just go ahead and and go into the Star Wars stuff first. Absolutely. just, Just because... Um, it was announced at Chicago, and you guys kind of got a taste of it, and now there's a little bit more that's been released regarding Jedi Fallen Order. Got a new trailer, I believe. Got some gameplay footage. What did you make of it? It it really is impressive. I've seen kind of mixed reviews overall from different people, but I, I really, I'm really impressed with this game. I think it looks really cool. It's... It's kind of a. It feels like I know a lot of people are kind of drawing comparisons to um, Force Unleashed and even Uncharted. And I think it's kind of an amalgamation of all those things. You know, it's kind of it's got the climbing effects that kind of Uncharted has, but it's you know a dude with a lightsaber and he's got force powers and he's got a droid and he's on Kashyyyk with Saw Gerrera and all this kind of stuff and it just it looks breathtaking and there's a really really cool looking gameplay. For we got, and we also got a story trailer for it as well, and it just it looks really, really cool, and I, it makes me want to get finally get that PS4 everyone's been asking me about, um, because yeah, Fallen Order really, I think, I think it's gonna be great. I think it's the game that everyone's been waiting for. Like, yeah, we wanted Battlefront Three, we kind of got that, we kind of didn't, and but Fallen Order is this, you know, first person, first single player game that is all about story and all about these this character Cal Kestis. So I I cannot wait to at least see more gameplay if not hopefully play it one day. Uh in order to play it, you've got to buy a new system, brother. I know, I know I'm aware of this. It's been like what, 2 years since you talked about getting either an Xbox One or a PS4 and there was like this huge campaign that was like Oh, Ben, you should get this. Oh, Ben, you should get that. And guess which system Benjamin Hart ended up buying, everybody? I'll give you a clue. Neither. I will say, PS4, (laughs) PS4 in the original poll, won by a landslide. So, and I was already leaning towards PS4, and now I'm not leaning towards anything, because I I don't don't got the money right now. Um, (laughs) I know how that goes. But uh, it's still. I mean, I'm gonna. I, it's this is in the torture because I kind of 
was, it was really hard going through, you know, passing up on Battlefront 2, and then we had Spider-Man, then we had Red Dead Redemption, now we're going to have this game, and there's another game we're about to talk about in a few minutes that, like, oh, God, like, I need, I need it, I need it, I can't do this anymore. Well, I, I, for one, have never really been a fan of any of Star Wars' single-player games. Okay. Mostly because I've always viewed them as attempts to market off of a huge franchise like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I never I never saw Knights of the Old Republic or The Force Unleashed as legitimate additions to the Star Wars universe. I never felt like they contributed all that much. I felt like there were Legends books that contributed better to the Star Wars universe than The Force Unleashed did. But this is probably one of my hottest takes in the Star Wars universe ever. If The Force Unleashed and Knights of the Old Republic did not exist, I would not miss it for a second. (laughs) Well, when it comes to canon, they don't. (laughs) I just wouldn't. But there are some people, including really good friends of mine, who just swear by The Force Unleashed, swear by Knights of the Old Republic. They pander... Or, 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 or practically beg for a movie or a standalone film or a, or a series on Disney Plus, something that has to do with Knights of the Old Republic. And I'm like, no, we don't need that. You might want that, but that is nothing that anybody that is just a casual fan of the franchise needs to have in their life. But then again, neither is a Cassian series. Come on, we don't really need that in our life, but we're getting it anyways. I mean, we don't. We don't. It, you know, Star Wars itself is not necessary for, for to sustain life itself. We don't necessarily need it, but we want it. Um, so, yeah, the Cassian series. And, you know, I, 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 yeah, I totally get your point there. But, I, like, I, uh, it is – it's interesting how – I don't know. I, 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 yeah, a lot of people love Force Unleashed. I, I love the story of Force Unleashed, but like, it's it's a video game. Like, it's, it's you can't really adapt it into anything else, or like even consider it canon, in my opinion, because it is so out there as a. It's it's meant as this just bombastic use of the Force in this very you know heightened universe. It really doesn't fit. And Old Republic, I I haven't played them. I know a lot of people swear by them and swear by the story, um, but I, I don't think I'm not sure that's the best fit for you know a, a movie or whatever. Anyway, I'm, I know people. Some people still want Knights of the Republic three, um, which I guess could still happen. Probably not because you know that those games really there's nothing going to contradict it, but still it's not canon. So like, what can they do with it? I don't know. But yeah, I I, I sort of agree with you that. Ye- a lot of these things are, are are video games, and they you know they don't you know they don't contribute as much as maybe people think they do. That being said, this is where I feel like Fallen Order is different, right? Because it deals with something that is the direct aftermath of Order sixty six. You know, this is this is an element. This is a point in time that people have always been curious about. This is a this is a storyline that has been explored multiple times. Let's be honest. Uh, Caleb Doom slash Kanan Jarrus is another 
apprentice that survived Order 66. It's not like this is a story that is completely unique and original, but because it's a video game that you get to play out instead of something that you have to watch on your TV, it's a different interface. It's a different type of adventure. And like you said, the graphics look amazing. The gameplay looks amazing. Cameron Monaghan looks amazing. Like, going from the Joker in Gotham to a Jedi, this guy is becoming a legend in sci-fi, and he's not even, like, what, 28 or something like that? Yeah, he's he's young, and he's been all over the place already. He He's kind of solidifying himself among the the sci-fi elite if you will and let me see when was he born he was born in 93 holy shit this guy's 25 years old <laughs> sorry i know you're gonna have to bleep out what i said but oh my gosh it was warranted he's he's younger than i am which freaking blows my mind <laughs> I mean, really, all he needs is, like, a cameo in the Lord of the Rings Amazon series or something like that, and he's in that trifecta of fantasy. And he's not even 26. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, my mind's officially blown. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things to look forward to from Fallen Order, and... Uh, I will most likely end up getting it for one of my two systems, probably for the Xbox One. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much time I'm going to be able to commit to it because of all those things that I mentioned previously. But there are some things, in my opinion, that are worth making time for. And this might be one of them. It, yeah, I, I totally agree that it, it, it looks like it's going to be really filling in a gap here and, and getting more into kind of the aftermath of Order 66, which I think everyone is kind of interested in and, you know, filling in that and, you know, getting some, you know, connections to some larger story with Saul Guerrero and, you know, the rebellion and, you know, like, where is this all going to go? And the, the I, I'm assuming Vader's got to show up at some point, you know, to to wipe out the last of the Jedi uh, because I, I doubt he's going to get taken out by an Inquisitor. So, you know, I'm very interested just to see what the story goes. But also, like, it looks like a fun time. It looks like a really, let's just say, fun game. You know, like, despite the story, like, it looks like it's going to be a blast to play. Well, that's the interesting thing is because Vader... Um, is is said to wipe out the Jedi. If he shows up, I don't see an apprentice escaping Vader. No. So is this game therefore doomed to end sadly? It depends on how they. It depends on how they do it. Like, and you know what? There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that he will face Vader and die. Look, That's true. Ezra Bridger faced Vader twice and survived in Rebels. Mm. It's happened. Stranger things have happened. So, uh, you know, how they... And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, like, that's a good idea. I think there needs to be consequence. If, he, if someone faces Vader, there needs to be some major consequences. Um, but there's also the realistic part of it that says, you know, what are they willing to do with this character and, like, you know, what's his endgame? 
funny you should say Endgame. Uh huh. Because one of the other pieces that had uh, really, really good looking gameplay in it that was revealed at E3 was uh, Marvel's Avengers. Yes. So, and it's, okay. It's yeah. in a completely different universe because these characters don't look or sound the same at all. Well, okay. I have mixed feelings about this game. All right. Because, because, and and, and people have been less than kind to this game online. And I don't, I'm not totally on board with everyone hating on it because it does look a little weird. Yeah, Captain America, his costume is a bit out there. It's a bit weird, but like it's not it's not nearly as bad as some of his costumes. Cough, cough Avengers. Um but uh you I think it's in, it's weird that like it's basically taking off of the MCU like some of the characters like Black Widow is basically wearing her like Avengers 1 costume. Like Bruce Banner is wearing like the purple shirt and the and the brown pants, like the the exact like you know outfit that he wears in Avengers, um, and which I get because like they're trying to you know set you up that these are the same characters, but it's a different universe in its thing. Apparently, this is connected to Spider Man PS4. Apparently, okay. I think I think the story wise, because I read somewhere that that Spider Man mentions that the Avengers are on the West Coast in his game. And then in this, we see that the Avengers are opening up their West Coast headquarters in San Francisco. And then it's all shut to hell. Um, Got it. But so, but I, I'm just kind of bewildered, kind of like what their strategy is with this game. Because I know, like, obviously, they're trying to connect it to the films to get, you know, to for just for marketing purposes. Like, you know, hey, we're using the same characters, but there's a game. You can play them as them. But it's also weird that it's a different universe. It seems like they'd want to kind of lean into some more original designs in regards to some of the characters versus, you know, or maybe just some completely different characters altogether, but basically just have the original Avengers team minus Hawkeye. I don't know. It's, it's weird. The gameplay looks fantastic. The graphics look great. Like, I'm not complaining about that. I'm just kind of like confused as to like what, what is the, whole design process behind the game because, you know, it is kind of thing. And, like, it's got a good voice cast. You got Nolan North as Tony Stark. Like, come on. Like, that's great. Um, and he sounds great. But, uh, you know, I'd be, I'm curious to see, like, more of this and what this universe is Because, like, we see the trailer is kind of like, I guess, the opening scene. And then we kind of haven't really seen much of the rest of the game. And it hasn't isn't coming out for, like, another year. So, like, we've got a long ways to go. But I it does look pretty darn good. It's enough to tease and and get you interested in in what they're doing, but not so much that it reveals everything and you know doesn't doesn't leave you with a sense of wanting more. I want to know more. That that's my thing. Is I want to figure out exactly what it is they're doing and why they're doing it. Uh, I, I get that there's a new headquarters opening. I get that it's a different universe. But I don't get what type of game this is. I don't know if this is meant to be like a story mode or if this is meant to be a drop-in, drop-out co-op kind of thing, if this is going to be along the lines of of Halo for the Avengers. Like, I can't tell. I honestly can't tell, and I can't tell how open-world or closed-world this game is. Spider-Man w- was, you know, kind of marketing itself on being very open-world in New York. Right. Is it going to be open-world in San Francisco? I don't know. I can't really tell. 
because the the gameplay footage that we got showed them dealing with a crisis. Uh, how many crises are you going to be dealing with? Are you going to be jumping from one crisis to another, or is it going to be, you know, more like Skyrim, where you pick and choose your side quests and you're just doing it as the Avengers? There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of different avenues you could go down, none of which really get explored in this trailer. So the big thing is we don't know. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. And to some, that's frustrating, and to some, that's intriguing. As an outsider, it's more intriguing to me because whichever direction they end up going, they're going to end up alienating people who are fans of the other method. You know what I mean? Right. If they if they decide to go more story mode, then the open world people who love Spider-Man are going to be mad at it. If they go open world, people are going to be mad because, you know, you can't do that with a whole bunch of characters like an ensemble cast like the Avengers. So there, there's never going to be anybody that is completely on board with this game. And that is really interesting that they're pitching it this way because it's already garnering mixed reviews and it's only off of a three-minute trailer. Like, what's going to happen when we actually see the gameplay footage? What's going to happen when we actually get a release date? Like, what's going to happen when, when, when people are actually thinking about pre-buying it and stuff like that? Which camp's going to be pre-buying it the most? Is this going to make as much money as they feel like it's going to? There's still a lot of stuff that's up in the air with this game, and that makes its future feel rather shaky to me rather than secure. And that that's an interesting place for a video game to be. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm yeah they I watched a bit of the the panel where they revealed this game play footage at, and they kind of they talked about a little bit about the story about the kind of the 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 timeline here is that, um, apparently what happens in this trailer tips it off. I think kind of like I guess the Sokovia Accords in a way, but I, I just noticed the fact that. Like, they totally, like, level San Francisco with this weapon. So, apparently, the Avengers are outlawed, and, like, it starts five years later, which is ironic. We just came through Endgame. Um, you know, massive uh, uh, tragedy happens, and then we switch five years later after, you know, after a major character's been killed, um, or a lot of major characters. Um, so, that's where the majority of the game is going to be taking place, kind of in this, like universe where the Avengers aren't a thing anymore or at least are kind of outlawed um, and then gameplay wise I think is going to be about I think they're kind of trying to sell it as like oh play with your friends you know it's you know each person kind of like you know four or five people at once playing as each Avenger which sounds really cool but like a lot of people won't get to play like because forever alone some of us so yeah, you know, I don't know how that's gonna work and how. Like, I, I'll be curious. Like, if you're playing as one person, can you switch between Avengers? Can you like, if you're playing as Thor, you switch to Hulk or whatever, and you're kind of walking back and forth? Or how is it gonna be? Like, and that's what I'm really curious about. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the the potential is definitely there, but there's also the potential to isolate certain groups of gamers, and that's never a good idea. So. I'm I'm curious to see how this ends up playing out. I, for one, don't believe I'll end up buying it, but I might watch some of the Let's Plays and see other gamers try it out. But that I think that's about as far as I'd end up going with it. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to see a lot more gameplay and, and, and suck me in to really think about like, seriously buying this. 
and also, you know, get a console, because um, that's me. But uh, <laughs> Just a little detail there. No big deal. Just a little. But, but there is a game that would really... It already has me sold on it, and I'll explain why. I'm, I was about to say, this one probably like tips the scales into like convincing you from being on the fence to being like, okay, I gotta get a new system. Yeah, and this was one of the biggest surprises at E3. No one really saw this coming. We kind of, you know, expected Avengers, we expected Jedi Fallen Order. We did not expect the trailer and the announcement of Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, which is... As it sounds, the entire Skywalker saga from Phantom Menace all the way through Rise of Skywalker and all nine films in one video game. And this is not a, like, redo or, like, it's not like a reskin like they did with, like, Complete Saga. This is a complete rebuild. Completely new game. All the films are being redone. And and I urge everyone to go check out the latest episode of the Star Wars Honorable Podcast. We had our good buddy Star Raptor, a.k.a. Chris Abbott, on, and he helped us out with the video games. We talked a lot about Fallen Order. He was really great giving us insight into that. But Chris, our buddy and station manager here at Channel 1138, he actually saw gameplay footage from this game, and he dropped some fascinating details, like talking about how it, like any, I think one of the details that I remember is any Lego brick that's, like, in the environment, like, as it's rolling around, will get dusty if it's on, like, a sand planet. Like, there's some really deep stuff in this game. And he said it, it looks fantastic from what he's seen. So if you want to get really excited about it, go listen to what he has to say. But just based off this trailer from me, it looks great. But I, have you played some of the Lego Star Wars games? Surely you have in the past. Uh, have I played Lego Star Wars? Do kangaroos like kumquats? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if kangaroos eat kumquats, but I do know that I've played Lego Star Wars. <laughs> Who uh, hasn't I, played Lego Star Wars at this point? I really don't know, man. I think it's like an initiation kind of thing. One of your first video games you should ever play is Lego Star Wars. In my opinion. Exactly. Uh, I did not get a chance to play the complete saga, and the uh, Lego Star Wars 3, The Clone Wars, was on my Nintendo Wii back when Nintendo Wii was actually a thing. <laughs> and I never really cared for the, the controls of the Wii, and so I never really got through the story of The Clone Wars all that well. So really, all of my Lego Star Wars knowledge is from the original two that like does the first trilogy and then the second uh-huh. trilogy. Yeah. Uh, both of those are really fun. Don't get me wrong. They are super, super fun. Um, but I'm really curious about how, how this new one's going to play out because I was one of those people that really wasn't thrilled with the idea of Lego star Wars, the force awakens being its own video game mm-hmm. back in the day. Cause again, it just felt like you were marketing off of the franchise. It didn't feel like they were making it for the sake of appealing to the Lego Star Wars fan base. Felt like they were doing it just so they could make a few extra bucks. And that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But the fact that they're putting this much effort into recreating something that's been a part of my past and also creating new additions to it, such as The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, putting them all together into one giant game 
where basically you're playing through nine movies of content. It's unprecedented. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's Lego or if it's in the style of Fallen Order. Nine movies of content in one video game is completely unprecedented. And I'm really excited and I'm really curious to see how it's going to play out. And I'm with you. This is one that I would want to play just so I can go back and play the original six again. Because those were on my PlayStation 2, and my PlayStation 2 is over at my sister's house now, because <laughs> she, she's still playing old school games, but her boyfriend got her a PS4 recently, so I think I need to ask for my PlayStation 2 back, but that's... Yeah, I don't think she's using it I don't think I don't feel like she's using it as much as she said she would, and I need to get some of my games back and, uh, and get back to some of that nostalgia, because... Um, there's there's certain games that I can only play on my PS2 that I kind of miss, so uh, I uh, I need to get that back eventually. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to Lego Star Wars if if nothing else for the the two new movies and for being able to to replay the original six that were a part of my teenage years. Exactly, and hopefully we can get some like DLCs of like you know Rogue One Solo and. You know, maybe some Clone War stuff. I don't know. I think it'd be really cool to kind of have the entire saga on like one one game. Ooh, boy, that would be really immersive. It would be cool. And apparently, you know, you... You know what they need though is an online co-op, so you can hop online with a buddy, and that you can have. That would be great. That would be you could, fantastic. You could have like two to four players all on the same screen trying to get through a level together, working together. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you would only need a minimum of two, but you could have up to four or something like that. And you all get online and try and beat like an entire episode or, you know, several chapters together or something like that. I would love to be able to play that with you, you know? Heck yes. That would be fantastic. Like get, get people on there and, and let them work together instead of just being an individual thing. But that's, that's stretching it a bit. I feel like that's not going to happen, but if it did. I would be pre-buying this sucker. And I don't pre-buy video games. I don't. Just as a policy, I wait for it to come out and wait for some of the reviews before I go get anything. The soonest I got anything was when Battlefront 2 came out uh, for the PlayStation 4. I I got that like within a week just because I knew that I wanted the upgraded version of the original, or the, of the first DICE Battlefront. But other than that, I usually wait. But if I found out that that was going to be a part of the Skywalker saga, I I would end, I would end up buying it, like pre-buying it for sure. Yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping they'll put some new stuff in it, like like an online co-op. That would be fantastic. Like that would be so much fun. Um, but they're they're already apparently like putting some new stuff. Like apparently, you'll be able to. I think this is one of the things that Chris said was that you can go to any of the planets in any of the movies, regardless of the timeline. So, like, say you get this game and you want to go straight to Rise of Skywalker, you can do that. You don't have to unlock anything. It's all there. Oh. Uh, so, that's pretty cool. Which I guess is kind of similar to the older games, which I'm glad, because mm -hmm. I like the older games more than I like the newer versions of the game. So, um... There's that, but if very, I rem very if I remember correctly, Lego Star Wars One, you had to at least beat the first chapter 
of the Phantom Menace before episodes two and three were unlocked, wasn't it? Maybe I can't remember. Maybe I'm I think I'm remembering. I I the well, the one I played the most was the original trilogy. I think I remember the cantina where you run around, and I think you could go. Maybe you had to play a New Hope like the first level first, but I'm pretty sure once you got to a certain point, or maybe right off the bat, you could go directly to uh, Empire or Jedi and play the first levels. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like all the levels were open to you. You had to you had to go through the progression at least. Right. But yeah, I mean that that's still that's still interesting to think about. Like you have the first chapter of nine different movies that you could play through right off the bat. Like that kind of possibility is really, really interesting. Also, if you're going to be doing it, it, like, let's, let's continue this, this idea of the, of the co-op method. Wouldn't it also be cool to be able to hang out with those people in something like the Moss Eisley Cantina? Or like have a just open thing where you can just run into anyone and just it's just an open thing where like you know potentially like dozens of people could come into the the cantina and you could interact with them. Oh, like RuneScape almost? B- basically, I guess. You never played RuneScape, did you? No. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I said that, I knew I knew that I knew that I knew it was like ah uh, over his head. RuneScape was like an online uh, Middle Ages type of game where you would have quests uh, where you had to get these objectives and achieve them at these different places. But there were like these marketplaces where other people would be online, too, and they'd have different levels and you could interface with them. You could trade with them if you wanted to. Uh, If you had certain goods, you wanted to trade for someone else's certain goods or you could try and battle somebody. And if you killed them, you just got everything that they owned. Oh, and so and I see, don't... that's what with Lego Star Wars, we just turn into a bloodbath, or, or yeah, <laughs> you'd be just be killing yeah. everyone trying to get their studs. You you'd be getting that. Yep, yep. I could see that happening because that's basically what the outside of the Moss Eisley Cantina was like in the original trilogy game. Like the the inside of the cantina, if you punched somebody, then like everybody would be drawing their weapons. But if you went outside. There was just shooting going on all over the place. I loved getting like Dengar and like pulling out the giant thermal detonator and yes. and then just exploding everything and then just yes. chaos erupts because people start shooting at you and shooting at each other and it's just it's madness. My favorite thing was being the ghosts and I would just walk up to somebody and punch them and they just end up randomly shooting all over the place, but it'd be shooting through you because you were a ghost <laughs> and you're like doesn't do anything to me like that's the kind of ghost i would be i would just be like the prankster ghost that causes trouble and then walks away you know absolutely so yes <laughs> uh long story short i'm excited for the skywalker saga from lego star wars and uh hopefully this little nostalgia trip isn't the last one that we go on today as no, we dis- as we discuss everybody's top fives i feel like there's there's some that are along the, the lines of nostalgia and some that are along the sides of, of relevance and combining both of those is part of what's going to make for such a fun discussion, I think. Absolutely. So I, I guess we should just go ahead and get into it. Yeah, might as we well. Got, we, got, we got a bunch of these. Yeah, like and... I said, 18 different selections to go through. So <laughs> that, 
that'll that'll be fun. And then we yeah. got to discuss ours at the end of the program. So yeah, absolutely, and we got we to go before the night's over. Hey, um, I've got like eight that I need to narrow down to five. So I've got these eighteen selections to try and figure out how I'm going to narrow my field. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I got nine. Jeez, so, man. So I got to work on mine. I got to uh, work on it. There, there's a few people in here that have used honorable mentions. I feel like you and I may have to end up doing a couple of honorable mentions as well, yep, just yep, so yep. that we give enough respect to everything that we have played. It's funny because we mentioned at the top of the show that we're not exactly like gamers. We're not Markiplier. We're not the Game Grumps. We're not PewDiePie. But, um, but apparently we have eight or nine different games that <laughs> we still want to give respects to. So this will be fun. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and and we'll, as as we always do, we start off with our valued patrons, our good friends who help us keep the lights on, and uh, the first one on the list is our good buddy Daniel Georgiev, aka Dan Grievous, and he says, "Dear Ben and Zach, here are my picks. I hope I'm not late. Um, no, Dan, you were not late. You were right on time, and." He says, uh, of course, these are really hard choices to make when it comes to top fives. Yes, we know this is this is the thing. And his his honorable mentions, I'll I'll keep those first since I think that's kind of how we do it. Even though he put those last, um, he says Lego Star Wars three, The Clone Wars, Super Contra, Adventure Island three, Star Wars: The Old Republic, GTA San Andreas, and Battle City. Never heard of that one. Interesting. Um, and for his top five, it's number five, Witcher, three, The Wild Hunt, uh, number four, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, three, The Manhattan Project, three for him is Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, number two, Star Wars Battlefront, the series, the entire series, that's a lot of games, Dan, and number one, Star Wars Republic Commando. I, I never played Republic Commando because it always just seemed too intense for me. When it's it a like, pretty intense game. Like yeah. when it when it first came out, I was I was uh, younger than I am now. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and, and seeing that type of, of footage and that type of gameplay, I was like, I know I'm not going to last two minutes playing this game. So I never got that invested in it. But I kind of want to circle back around to it and play it now that I feel like I could actually do something in that game. Uh, yeah, but kind that. of a cop-out with the Battlefront series, but I have a feeling it's not going to be the last cop-out we see. <laughs> no, no. Well, there were some cheaters in here. We, you know who you are. Dun-dun-dun. Okay, moving it's on okay. to uh, another one of our patrons, uh, Miss Rachel Perry. And, and she's she's quite an expert when it comes to video games. And she kind of flexes those gaming muscles a little bit with this list. It's quite impressive. At number five... She's got Dragon Quest Builders at number four, Mario Kart Double Dash, number three, Crash Bandicoot, number two, Breath of the Wild, and at number one, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Man. (laughs) Oh, wow. We're done. Good night, everyone. (laughs) Jeez. Uh Rachel, thank you very much for sending us that list. I, I've played a few of those, and I've seen gameplay of a couple of others, and I have only heard legends of Paper Mario, so I need to I need to actually get, get my eyes and hands on something like that because I, I have heard, but I have not seen. And that's kind of the point of video games, isn't it? you got to be able to see it to understand it. 
Pretty much. Yeah, I think that's the general idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the Crash Bandicoot was a part of a lot of people's uh, Ooh, childhoods yeah. growing up. Uh, Breath of the Wild came out when uh, the Nintendo Switch came out, and I watched how you could play that on the Switch or you could project it onto the TV. Like It is one of the most innovative and immersive Zelda games that I've ever seen, or just video games in general. And it's it's pretty fantastic. I think weren't you guys playing that when we did the crossover with Next Level? That that is what we were playing. Everybody had just yeah. gotten Nintendo Switches, and when we were doing the crossover, sometimes I would jump on and try my hand at Breath of the Wild, and then sometimes there would be there would be uh, people from Next Level hopping on the podcast uh, with uh, with us. So that was that was a fun night. Yeah. The, ah, the see, you know what? The Switch has me intrigued because of its portability and all that. And also, Lego Star Wars is going to be on the Switch. So. Well, and it's it's also, from what I understand, the entire Nintendo library is about to end up on the Switch. Ooh. Ooh. So, like, stuff from the N64, stuff from the GameCube, stuff from the Wii, like, pretty much everything's going to end up there eventually, from what I understand, if it hasn't already. Wow, how much do those things cost? <laughs> uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to price them. I'm gonna just see. I still don't have the money. I, I still can't afford it. <laughs> I would, I would say an arm and a leg, but I don't think it's quite that much. So I'll say a forearm and a couple of toes. How about that? Well, well by the time Lego Star Wars is out next year, sometime, um, maybe, maybe I'll consider it. But for, but for right now, I'll survive. I and... will survive. We Sorry. did enough. We did enough singing before the show. All right, we did enough of that. <laughs> I didn't sing. <laughs> the crazy duck did the singing. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, we did Obama's elf, and we did the duck who wanted grapes. And uh, yeah, just go YouTube those. Um, if you, if you want, or to listen, or listen to our pre-show because our pre-show on. On channel1138.com is the only place you can hear some of that craziness, and uh, it's pretty funny to listen to. It is great. But let's not go backwards. Let's go forwards, and let's talk about Mr. Joey Mays, who is another good friend of ours and a patron. And he has his list, and he mentions his honorable mentions first. He says, Age of Mythology, PC, uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 for PS2, Madden NFL for Xbox, and Ghost Recon Wildlands for Xbox One. And his top five list goes as follows. Number five, Civilization 5, or I'm assuming that's a five. It's a V. Yeah, yeah PC. it's a five. It's yeah, a five. Yeah, yeah, because, of course, there's like five of them. Um, and I'm sure it's great. It sounds awesome. It's probably – I'd have to look that up. Anyway – Number four, Star Wars <laughs> Republic Commando for Xbox. Uh, number three, NCAA Football for Xbox. Whoop, number two, whoop. Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds. I've heard about that game all my life. I've never played it. Um, and number one, Halo Combat Evolved for Xbox. That's a solid list. That is a really solid list because you got you got your world-building games. You've got your battle games. You've got your sporting games. You've got the... The stuff like Halo that has just kind of become like a cultural phenomenon at this point. And I know for a fact, I know this because I know Joey. The reason he put NCAA football on his list is because he likes playing as the Penn State Nittany Lions. 
That was one of my favorite things about NCAA football games is on Madden, you just got the 32 pro NFL teams. But on NCAA football, before it got um, disenfranchised, you could play as any of the 119 Division One or Division Two football teams. Wow, that's crazy. And they all had their own unique stadium. They had their own unique uniforms. Uh, one of the games that I played had all of the fight songs on it. So anytime you scored, it played their school song. Like, it was really in-depth for its time. So... Uh, Got to give a shout out to the NCAA football games. I wish they would come back. Yes, yes, and and uh, I've looked up Civilization Five because I was really curious what this is. It is <laughs> a it is a one of those uh, strategy games, like yep. this the the above view strategy games. I'm assuming like you can build your own civilization and probably tear it down like a like like uh, the Sims on steroids. <laughs> so that looks awesome. And those are some of my favorite games. And maybe you'll hear about another one later on in the show. I'm just going to throw that out there. Ooh, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. But but next up, we got the Peacekeepers. And uh, we got our good buddy, Chris Abbott. Who's actually listening live. Whoop, whoop. He's here. He's been on the channel all week. He was on the Star Wars World Podcast. As I said, go listen to that. He's great, like... He is so into video games, and he's way into Jedi Fallen Order. He knows all about it, um, and we had to have him on the show just for the fact of just breaking it all down because I don't know anybody that knows it better. And uh, so he is a massive video game fan, of course, if you follow him on YouTube, which you should. And he says his number five is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. That's, I had a demo of that way back when I played that's a f- that brings back memories so many memories tonight his number four is Halo I'm guessing the original Halo that's that's cool number three The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt number two World of Warcraft and number one Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic well you already know my opinions on number one but I'll I'll touch on uh, number four and number three of his list. Um, this is the second mention that we've got of Witcher 3, I believe, isn't it? And uh, number four, one of my favorite memories of Halo wasn't actually the story mode or even the gameplay. It was the fact that about eight or nine years ago, I was invited to my friend Paco's house to spend the night slash weekend. And he had about, I want to say, four other guys over, and it was like a birthday kind of thing, I think. Oh. And... Literally, all we did was set up multiple TVs in the living room, and we played Halo for like nine hours straight. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. And it was really fun because it was the first time I'd ever seen like that that multi-screen uh, online interfacing before where you could do the co-op stuff in person, but you were all online. I'd never seen anything quite like that. And now, of course, I know about LAN parties and all that sort of stuff, but... That was like my first experience with it. And even though I sucked at it, it was really fun because you were doing stuff as a community. And so that is one of my biggest praises for Halo was not only was it a really fun game, but it inspired a lot of other games that came after it and it brought people together. And that's that's a really cool thing. So I appreciate the heck out of that. That's great. I, and I Yeah, I love I love that game. Just. Yeah, it, it, what I've little I've played of it, it's so great. Well, I mean, for a long time before 
uh, Battlefront got rebooted by DICE, a lot of my ideas for what the new Battlefront or what Battlefront 3 could look like was derivative of a lot of the stuff that I'd seen in Halo. Yeah. Because your your character could have customized weapons, customized armor. There were a lot of different things that you could you know make it your own. And I thought, what if you could do that with your characters on on Battlefront? What if your clones could have their own special art? What if you could get different guns and weapons and different types of lightsabers for your different characters, and then you could play as those characters on your campaigns and stuff? Like that was my big thing. That and more planets. I was like, just just give me more planets to play on. And so that was that was one of the one of the things that I really liked about the new Battlefront was you could choose different types of guns uh, for your different troopers based on what you felt like was was your best weapon uh you could have your primary and your secondary and then what i loved about battlefront 2 was it had a lot more planets than battlefront 1 and so you know i feel like the the people at ea and dice definitely borrowed a few things uh from halo when they were working on that game but they put it in the star wars universe which was really cool yeah yeah it's really 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 great um so oh my goodness I wasn't expecting this. We 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 th that segment is coming up. It's up next, isn't it? It is it, it is time, isn't it? Look look at me. I am actually prepared for this. Here we go. Oh my gosh. It is time. For Shinda's list. <laughs> Uh, our buddy Steven Schinder, always fun to play Schinder's List on a top five. It's like an iconic segment now. Makes me smile every time. His top five is as follows. At number five, we've got Ratchet and Clank Up Your Arsenal, which is a great name, by the way. That is great. <laughs> Sly 3, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, number three, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, that's our second mention of San Andreas. I guess San Andreas is the most popular one. I, I thought for some reason there was another one that was more fun, but I guess San Andreas is the most popular. San Andre yeah, I can't remember which I I'm I'm having trouble finding remember which one, one that is, but yeah, I'm pretty I think it's a popular one. Okay. I for some reason I thought there was another one that was more popular, but I guess San Andreas is the one. Oh well. At number two, we got Red Dead Redemption, and at number one the Wolf Among Us. So what stands out to you from Schinder's list, Ben? Oh, see, you know, I, I, the, uh, I love Ratchet and Clank. I've never actually played it, but I know James Arnold Taylor is the voice of Ratchet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's a pretty cool thing that I know about the game that I've never played. And uh, I think I, I'm pretty sure I've played San Andreas. It's pretty good, especially for its age. Like, it's it's a fairly old game. The graphics aren't up to speed, you know, of course, with, like, GTA Five, But, like, it's it has a lot of the capabilities. Like, and, you know, in Grand Theft Auto, like, started way back as, like, a, you know, like, top scroller or a side scroller. And uh, you know that that game really comes a long way. It really blew people's minds back in the day, and it still it's it really holds up. Uh, it really does, and that, I think that's one of the things that I really like about some of those those games is that they're rather timeless. You know, no matter what console it's on, or no matter what the what the graphics may or may not look like, there are just certain elements about it 
that just withstand the test of time. And I, I think that and how playable it is or how replayable it is, those are all things that contribute to being part of our favorites uh, when we're making these types of lists. Uh-huh. As for The Wolf Among Us, I had to look it up just to make sure I knew what I was talking about. It's a, it's a relatively new game. came out in uh, 2014, I believe. Uh, and it's an episodic, interactive, dark fantasy, mystery graphic adventure based oh. on the Fables comic book series. Developed by Telltale Games, it is canon with the comic book universe and set as a prequel to the comics. Wow, wow. That's involved. <laughs> it is I didn't realize. Is uh, is really involved. And uh let me see if I can figure out a, a synopsis. Set in nineteen eighty six, nearly twenty years before the events of Fables, for many uh for years many of the magical lands described in myth, legend, and folklore have been occupied by an enigmatic tyrant known as the adversary. To escape the adversary's totalitarian regime, many of the homeland's inhabitants fled to colonial America and created an enclave known as Fabletown, now located in modern-day Manhattan. To mask their presence from the native humans, all non-human fables have to purchase an enchantment known as Glamour, which allows them to appear human, or they must be relocated to a rural community known as The Farm. Mm, Wow. So I guess you play as those types of characters and have to conceal your identity lest you get deported. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I'm I'm sure, I am quite sure that there is more to it. It's just not something that I know very much about. But if it's high up on Steven's list, then I trust it to be good. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I definitely trust Steven's opinion on this sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds Mm -hmm. awesome. I suppose that then concludes another edition of Schindler's List. All right. All right. Gotta love that segment. But next up, we we got Doozy. Of one from our good friend Robin Glader, um, who says, I'm not much of a gamer, but I do love Star Wars games, so I guess I'll chime in with my own list, even if it isn't very, even very varied. Um, and I'm gonna, even though he starts with one, I'm gonna totally screw it up and, and go with five. Um, I'll actually, I'll start with his honorable mention. He's leaving honorable mentions on the bottom, put a, honorable mentions on the top, people. I'm why am I being so stickler about this? It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're just being. I'm just. It's our an show. Damn it. Do better. I'm just being, I'm just being an a hole for no reason. Um, he for for uh, for his Not honorable mentions. He says. <laughs> he says I'll throw in some honorable mentions of some non-Star Wars games I've played and enjoyed. The Halo series. Not only fun and gameplay-wise, but also has an interesting lore. And Doom, the 2016 version. Who doesn't love running around blasting demons and ridiculously OP weapons? Yeah, of course. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, number five, we got the Lego Star Wars games. I still haven't played the Force Awakens game, even though I own it. But at first four games, I played a lot, and they're a lot of fun. Um, number four, Republic Commando. It's a crime that's never got a sequel. You're right. It thing Imperial Commando should be a thing. Um, number three, Force Unleashed. I like this game so much. 
I bought it for both the Wii and for the PC. Both versions are actually pretty great, even has different levels. Same with TFU2, but the first game is the better of the two. And I think that's the general consensus on that is 2 is a little too short. Um, Empire at War, at number 2, he says, another game I've put a ridiculous amount of time into, and Forces of Corruption has to be one of the best expansions ever. It's like a second game. It that's yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have more stuff to say about that later. Um, the Battlefront series <laughs> is at number one for him, and I think that's number one for a lot of people. I'm just gonna pick just I can't just pick just one. <laughs> I like them all, even the newer ones. They are the ultimate Star Wars sandbox games, especially mods of which there are plenty. That's that's a great list. It really is because it gives a lot of attention to some some very specific games that may or may not have gotten a lot of attention otherwise, uh, or would have just been part of another list. Like you might see the Force Unleashed in one in one top five, you might see Battlefront in another top five. But to put all of them together and expand upon all of them is really great because they all deserve some appreciation and attention. Absolutely, absolutely. So, thank you, Robin, for that list and for giving proper attention to all five of those games. And I'm glad that we're not done with that uh, Empire at War conversation. Stick around, folks. This is <laughs> this is going to get good. Uh, checking in with another peacekeeper and also the station manager here at Channel 1138, it's our buddy Chris Siegel. Uh, he says, I'm doing franchises because otherwise this would be impossible. <laughs> No problem. Uh, we we're we're having to figure out how we're doing ours, anyways. So, <laughs> not not gonna nitpick here. Uh, his honorable mention goes to Spyro the Dragon. Number five, Roller Coaster Tycoon. O M G. Yeah. Number four, Sims, specifically sin- spinoffs like uh, Sim City, Sim Copter. What about um, Sim Zoo? Do you remember? Do you remember Sim Zoo? Yeah. Or is it Zoo Tycoon? Zoo Tycoon, that's what it was called. Yes, yes. Oh, man. If you didn't build those fences properly, your hippos got loose and they did eat people. (laughs) That was so much fun. At number three, he's got Gran Turismo. At number two, ATV Off-Road Fury. And at number one, Madden NFL. No surprise there, being a Pats fan. (laughs) You know, Chris... You know, Chris, he is all on board with Boston sports, and so uh, it's just, which is ironic because he lives in Los Angeles now. So, uh, yeah. but I, I definitely could uh, foresee a uh, a Texans versus Patriots AFC championship game between Chris and myself. That would be fun to play. And That's Roller Coaster cool. Tycoon and The Sims, man, simulated reality was like the big thing in the early two thousands, like. From, I want to say, like, 98 to 03 or something like that, Sims and Roller Coaster Tycoon and games like that were on top of the PC world. Yeah, yes, absolutely. That was, oh, man. I feel like, I feel so much nostalgia, but I'm all like, I that was just a great time for games, especially those types. Crazy. You know what's really interesting? You know what? I'll save it for later. I'm having to bite. Look, look, you said something a minute ago that I had to bite my tongue, all right? (laughs) So we need to get moving so I can talk about what I want to talk about because this is getting hard, all right? Let's get to our Facebook submissions then. Starting with our buddy Shane McGinnis. What do we got? 
so our buddy Shane, and for those who don't know, go over to our Facebook page um, and uh, facebook.com slash IPC podcast if you would like to make a general submission. You don't have to be a patron or a member of the Peacekeeper Corps. You're just a regular Joe listener. You can listen or, or, or a Jan. We're not, we're not sexist here. We, 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 appreciate, we appreciate all genders. Regular Jan. Joe, Joe or Jan. Why is a regular Joe a thing? There should be there should be non-gender specific. I don't know why I'm going on this tangent. Shane's <laughs> list. His number five, Jedi Academy. Number four, EverQuest. Number three, EverQuest 2. Okay. Oh. Number two, Arkham City. I'm not laughing. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not laughing at you, Shane. This is just awesome. This is an awesome list. Number two, Arkham City. And number one, Jedi Outcast. I really like the sandwiching maneuver that he's got going on here with a couple of Jedi games at the five and the one. You got the EverQuest games back to back. And then Arkham City is one of the most immersive Batman games that I've ever seen. And it was it was fantastic. It was dark. It was action packed. It had a great story. It was fun. Uh, I didn't play it myself, but uh, I saw a lot of Let's Plays of it when it first came out. And uh, I got a couple of friends that just sing high praises of Arkham City. So, Shane, this is a great list, man. This is fantastic. Yeah, and to, to, to piggyback off of what you were saying a second ago, we give top billing to people that are super invested in the program. So if you're a patron, you're guaranteed top billing every time we do a, a top five episode. If you remember the Peacekeeper Corps, you're kind of further up in the list. But we do get to everybody else's stuff. So if you send us something on Facebook or Twitter, you will have your voice heard. It just won't be at the top of the show like everybody else. If you want your stuff to be put at the top of the show, then just go find us at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Look for the patron button. Click that. And even if you're submitting just one US dollar a month, that's enough to put you higher up on the list. Pretty crazy. Noise. So who no. who we got next? Uh, Harris is that who we got next? We got Harris Bannock. I oh. think is how you pronounce it. I'm gonna let you do the pronunciations on this one, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna do the lists. We got Halo Reach checking in at number five. The Elder Scrolls Five Skyrim checking in at number four. The Mass Effect trilogy at number three. Knights of the Old Republic at number two, and Harris's number one is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Honestly, Ooh. this is a hella good list too. Mm-hmm. Mass wow, Effect, a lot is of heavy hitters here. Super immersive. Kotor is a classic uh, by most standards. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. You know, I was waiting for the Assassin's Creed franchise to make its way into people's lists, um, but I was honestly expecting Black Flag to get more love than it did. I I really thought people enjoyed. Uh, Black Flag, but Odyssey seems to be getting more love than that, so uh, I guess Odyssey's really, really good. I haven't played it, uh, but I've got Black Flag, so, you know, I'm going to give props to it when I can. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, so next up we've got our uh, buddy Evan Dave, um, who says... <sighs> Evan, Evan, uh... Evan, Evan. In no particular order! Ah. Uh... This is a top five list. You gotta commit, people. Put numbers uh, on these things. Commit. Boo. Commit. 
All right, we'll we'll, we'll 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 try to get past it. We'll try to get past it. We'll try to overlook it this time. You you had your warning. Uh, his I'm I'm I'm, I'm putting num- I'm putting I'm putting numbers on these things because you didn't put numbers on these things. Uh, number five is Minecraft. Number four, Special Ops: The Line. Number three, The Elder Scrolls Three: Morrowind. Number two, The Witcher. And number one, Red Orchestra 2 slash Rising Storm. And I gotta be honest, two of these I've never even heard of. Uh, I have not. Red Orchestra. I, I have not played Morrowind. Uh, I know about the Elder Scrolls franchise, but Skyrim mm-hmm. is kind of the more popular one. Uh, I've played Minecraft. Didn't really get into it as much as other people have. I get why it's so popular, but it's also like enough to really, really distract you. And I'm ADD as it is. I can I can get lost in a game like this and just lose all semblance of time, which is the worst possible thing to happen to me right now because I am so incredibly schedule bound that mm-hmm. I need something with a little more structure. And that game is just literally the epitome of open world. Like you could I, do, I, you could do anything on that game. I feel like Minecraft is a lifestyle. Like it's a game that you devote your life to, <laughs> and I don't have a life to devote to it. I got so much other stuff going on, and I, li- I literally, I own Minecraft. It's on my computer right now. I never play it. I don't have time. Like it just takes so much. It's really fun, but I just I, I've never been able to. I'm, I'm like you. I, I've just never been able to like get into it and focus it because, yeah, I'm same. I'm ADD. I'm too well easily distracted. I can't actually focus on it. But whatever. Still a good game. It, I mean, yes, that's why it's in people's top fives. Obviously, it's a good <laughs> game. <laughs> Uh, I have not played Spec Ops The Line. I have not played The Witcher. I have not even heard of Red Orchestra. But that really shouldn't be much of a surprise from TV show podcast hosts. <laughs> There's a lot of games that I probably haven't heard of. So it, yeah. it, it's not it's not going to be uh, too much of a surprise. Uh, our friend Josh Matheny sent us a list as well. And you know what? Damn it, Josh, you said in no real order. So I'm going to do this in no real order. Final Fantasy 1, Disgaea 2, Dark Hero Days, Silent Hill 1999, Super Smash Bros. Melee, and Pokemon Red slash Blue. You didn't type it in that order, but you said in no real order, so I said it in no real order. Because <laughs> we can, that's why. Chaotic neutral at its best, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh you know it's really interesting that um silent hill like a a game from 1999 is in somebody's list you know like Mm -hmm. even with the advent of all these really great games there's still stuff from 1999 that resonates with people and that that's that's a fantastic thing that's a great thing about gaming that's a great thing about nostalgia and and playing favorites is this isn't top five best video games. Okay. We had this debate on the show or not on the show, but about the show. Uh, should we do top five best or should we do top five favorites? And I'm really glad that we chose favorites because if I had to pick best, 
that five would be completely different from the favorites list that I'm working on right now. Yeah, yeah, and you have to, like, best, like, I have to pull myself out of it and, like, choose what I think is the best video games, and, you know, that's completely different. So I think everyone, like, even if we said best, everyone interprets that as favorites. So we just went ahead and go, hey, top five favorites, because that's what you're going to put down anyway, and I think that's what everyone interprets it as. So uh, we were, we're specific with our wording. We, we, we make sure we get this right so you guys... Uh, um, sometimes we still get it wrong, you know, sometimes you guys don't totally get our drift sometimes with the titles, but uh, we get it right most of the time. So it's Well, good. I mean, that that's also the beauty, is it's just really highly interpretive. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. it, it's fine that it's open to interpretation. Good on you. Exactly, exactly. And uh, another one we've got, long-time listener. I don't, ever, I don't think we've ever gotten a list from him before. It's our good buddy, Mr. Michael Quing. I'm just, we just call him Michael Q around here. Um, and he says, uh, I, I doesn't put numbers on this. Guys, seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop, all right? I'm going to stop, all right? You guys can do what you want. Super Smash Bros., Ultimate for his number five, Star Trek Timeline to Fleet Command, number four, Battleship Games at number three, Sudoku 2048 Mobile Games. I think there's just too much information in this, Michael. (laughs) And the number one, dude. (laughs) And the number one, Star Fox Assault. So, uh, yeah, gotta love Star Fox. Hey, that's that's fine, man. Star Fox, from what I heard, is a really popular franchise. But again, not one that I've played. <laughs> this is our this is our first mention of any uh, Star Trek games, though. Star Trek's yeah. not exactly known for its video games, so uh, I'm really intrigued by this because I I kind of want to check out anything that has to do with playing uh, a Star Trek game because you know you can have games that are open world, but since Star Trek is kind of set in the galaxy. I'm just kind of waiting for an open galaxy game. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you can go to Alpha Centauri. You could go to Kronos. You could go to Andor. You you could go uh, all the way to the Delta Quadrant, for crying out loud. You could, you could fight battles in Borg space or something like that. Like, that would be so cool. Um, I, I know that I'm, I'm kind of shooting off the hip here but that that would be really fun so indeed so we got uh what is it daniel up next okay we'll do daniel and then i've got one that was submitted to us last minute that was sent to me via twitter oh okay last minute submissions yes yes we got we got some folks that uh apparently didn't catch the memo but still wanted to participate so uh, we'll get we'll get to him right after we do Mr. Daniel here. Do you mind doing Daniel so that I can do the one from Twitter? Absolutely. So Daniel Davis. Okay, here's the deal, Daniel. <laughs> he says in no particular order. You just put then, all of these no particular orders back to back to back, basically, dude. No, 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 no. He numbers his. <laughs> <laughs> There's numbers on these, but no particular order. No order. What do but you want? In no what order. Do you want? But here's the order: five, four, three, two, one. But it's not an order. <laughs> All right, Daniel. I'm sorry. We're gonna stop making fun of you here and actually read. I'm your not list. making fun of Daniel. I'm making fun of Daniel's list. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference. There's a difference, guys. Um, his he has honorable mentions: 
Red Dead 2, uh, FF8? What is, what, am I missing something? What is FF8? Are you FF8 and then FF7, Final Fantasy, I think. Oh, of course, Final Fantasy. How did I miss that? Final Fantasy 8, Halo 1 through 3, and Jade Empire. Jade Empire, never heard of that one. Um, and his number five goes as follows. Number five, Freelancer. Number four, Witcher 3. Number Three, Jedi Academy. Number two, Final Fantasy VII. And number one, Mass Effect Trilogy. I counted as one. That's not how it works. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. Even though you counted three games as one. You, you're breaking the rules here. You're breaking the rules all over the place. The rules don't even exist anymore. You've just pounded them into the cement. They're gone now. Rest in peace rules. Are you okay? I, I think I am. I don't know. They're really testing my patience tonight. I'm sorry. You're killing me. I've just had enough. You just put it into the concrete and ground it up into dust. Uh, man. Man. You, you're also reminding me of um, Han Solo <laughs> in The Force Awakens. That's not how top five lists work. <laughs> I'm like the ultimate nerd. It, the rules say, the rules say that you can do it like this. <laughs> what voice is that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think I'm losing my mind. Just, just so pay me no mind. It's so posh. <laughs> I say, <laughs> why don't we just do our top fives with fake British accents. Oh, my oh okay. So I was talking about um, musicals because I found this tweet um, not too long ago, earlier earlier today. It says, someone has offered you a million dollars on the condition that you sing through an entire Broadway soundtrack from memory. It cannot be a show you've performed in and you cannot miss a single word. What are you going with? So uh, I'm going to give you a second to, to figure that one out for you, Ben. But for me, it would be uh, My Fair Lady, the Rex Harrison, Julie Andrews edition. I love My Fair Lady and I love uh, Rex Harrison. I love Julie Andrews. And if I had enough time to prepare, which I said I would need about a week, and even then that's pushing it. But uh, that that's the musical that I've never performed in but feel like I could get pretty much word for word. And so uh, our friend Jake said, you're speaking my language. That's that's one of my absolute favorites. And I just happened to be very casual with him. And I was like, uh, hey, bud, what are your top five video games? We are live right now. And he's like, oh, snap. <laughs> Give me a sec. <laughs> so he's on this tangent about um, different different musicals, which is hilarious. He's like. Uh, IPC, Musical Month, Week 1, My Fair Lady, Week 2, Mary Poppins, Week 3, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and Week 4, Fiddler on the Roof. Actually, hell yes. <laughs> but that's beside the point. He actually did send us a, uh, a an actual top five, and it is as follows. Checking in at number five, he's got Portal 2. At number four, he's got Bioshock Infinite. At number three, Spyro, Year of the Dragon. At number two, Crash Bandicoot Warped. And at number one, Lego Star Wars, The Complete Saga. 
I think that's the first mention of Bioshock that we've gotten, but the Bioshock series is actually really popular among my friends, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. that one got some inclusion there. Nice. Nice. And for the 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 uh, the Broadway play, the Broadway soundtrack uh, question, I would have to go with Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. That's a good one. That is. And that's a- one. That's it's only because my family is sort of obsessed with it, and it's just ingrained <laughs> into my brain because I've heard it so many times. Oh man, that that is a good one. That is a good one. I feel like my sister would probably do Hamilton. Oh, of course. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would do that. I yeah. feel like I feel like my dad would do um, Fiddler on the Roof. I I think secretly he's always wanted to be in a production where he plays Reb Tevye. Oh wow! If <laughs> I were a rich man, okay, we're getting sidetracked here. <laughs> So, um, are we up to the next one, Gabriel? I, I think I think we're at Gabe Rodriguez's list, and he's another one of those guys that is like super into video games, and so I trust his list a hundred percent because he's probably played more video games than anybody I know, uh, and I know Chris Abbott, so that's <laughs> <laughs> that that's putting it pretty strongly. But this dude, he uh, he was part of the Next Level crew when they were putting out stuff uh, on a more consistent basis. And he does a lot of just casual video game reviews after he's played something. And when you talk to him in person about video games, he gets really passionate and really intense about it. So I I definitely trust this list. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, for Gabe, we have... I'm guessing in no particular order again. Oh, he doesn't say that. He doesn't give no. I'm just gonna. I mean, I'm just gonna we, give we can, it. A we can go order. from the bottom up, I guess. <laughs> I'll go to the bottom up this time. He's got at number five, Pokemon Blue. Uh, number four, Halo Two. Number three, Mass Effect Two. Number two, The Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker. And number one, The Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Those are all really great. <laughs> Honestly, those are all yeah. really great. I w- I'm, I'm really surprised because I think this is the only time Wind Waker is going to get mentioned. I really thought Ocarina of Time was going to get more respect, and I thought uh, Breath of the Wild was going to get some some notoriety, and it did. But uh, Wind Waker is kind of one of those out-there choices that I really respect. That's, that's, a, that's a solid choice. Uh, Halo 2, I don't remember if it was 2 or 3 that was considered the most popular of the Halo franchises, but I know that... This is one of the few times when the sequels actually really improve on the originals. Halo was fun, but Halos 2 and 3 just made it even better. So, Absolutely. That's, that's really cool. Uh, our friend Sage is up, and you know what? I think Sage is a part of the Peacekeeper Corps, man. I think. Oh, we, oh dang, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I left it. I'm I, I did these things in a hurry, and uh, yeah. We, we, we put these things together kind of last minute, so apologies, Sage. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a plug for our podcast as recompense. Um, go listen to Call the Banners, a Game of Thrones podcast, if you're interested in hearing about a house-by-house discussion. Rather than a chronological discussion, we discuss the important and relevant houses from Game of Thrones, the, the important families rather than the important episodes. And then we also do an episode-by-episode discussion of Season 8. We do a recap of the season. We do a recap of 
the um, documentary that's the making of season eight. We do a discussion of uh, who our favorite characters are, what our favorite episodes were. If you are a fan of Game of Thrones and you are craving for some more Game of Thrones content, be sure to check out Call the Banners, a Game of Thrones podcast. You can find it through a simple Google search. I'm pretty sure we're on Anchor, and uh, you can find it on the Fandom Cantina Facebook page as well. Links to it and promo art and all that sort of stuff can be found there. But uh, Sage and I hosted that show with McMahon from uh, Star Wars Wastelands. It was a good old time, and uh, I know... Sean has some pretty strong opinions about a certain video game franchise that I completely disagree with, and so I feel like he's halfway trolling me a little bit with this episode, with the, with this list. But also, um, he, he he does he does provide some really cool stuff in here. So at number five, Sean has SmackDown two. At number four, he's got Knights of the Old Republic two. At number three, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. At number two, Knights of the Old Republic. And at number one, Gears of War. Mm-hmm. The reason I say he's trolling me is because that number four and that number two has been part of a debate that has been ongoing between he and I for the last three months. <laughs> he, Gotta love those those he, subtle digs. I guess he's of the opinion that KOTOR is one of the best things to happen to Star Wars in the last decade and a half or something like that. And I'm of the opinion that it could never exist. It could be one of those genie wishes where you just wipe it out from existence and nobody would miss it. At least I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. On to the Twitterverse. Ooh. On <laughs> to the Twitch. We, we just keep marching on because we have our own top five list to discuss, damn it. <laughs> yes. Um. And the next one, the first one... From the Twitterverse is none other than Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. At Sir Ben Kenobi. Um, I'm sorry, Vader can still find you if you if you change your first name to Ben. Especially if it's on Twitter. So watch it. Watch it, Kenobi. Um, his, uh, he doesn't put in numbers on it, but I'm going to put my numbers on it. I'm going to start from the bottom. Uh, number five, Resident Evil, the original. Resident Evil 2, the original. Apparently there was two. <laughs> It was two so Resident that, Evils 2. Is that is that Resident Evil 2 2? I if guess it, so. if it's just, got like, a... just like there's two Battlefront 2s now. <laughs> and we got uh, number four, GTA 5. Number three, Final Fantasy 8. Wow. Um, uh, uh, number two, Sonic 2. <laughs> and uh, number one, Metal Gear Solid 1. A lot of these sound very exploratory in nature you know gta 5 is very open world i feel like final fantasy 8 if i remember correctly is also very open world um don't believe i've played either uh resident evil 2 or metal metal gear solid 1 i might have seen footage of resident evil 2 though um i had a friend that uh dared me to watch a whole bunch of like scary footage from scary video games and so we watched resident evil 2 we watch stuff from this uh, this zombie video game, this alien video game, like Ridley Scott's Alien. It was set in that universe on this abandoned ship or something like that, and like you had to escape the uh, the xenomorph. You had to get off the ship, and the xenomorph was like tracking you. It was creepy. Oh man! Oh, that was, that was crazy. But uh, 
GTA 5 getting some love. The Sonic franchise finally getting some love. I was wondering when the Sonic franchise was going to get some attention. It took a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe that trailer killed all the all the, all the Sonic fandom. Like, all the people that were into Sonic are just all of a sudden, Sonic? Oh, yeah, that's my favorite drive-in. <laughs> that's but, about right. But that's about right. All right, so next up, we got our good buddy, Kevin Davis, <laughs> at Velectors. And he admits that uh, it was very hard to narrow down. He says, I have been playing games since the 80s and have a lot of nostalgia built up. I hear that, Kevin. I haven't been playing games since the 80s, but nostalgia was a big factor in uh, the creation of my list as well. So uh, I, I feel your pain. But, uh, you know, there's no numbers on this, but I'm going to go from the bottom up, much like you did with Sir Ben Kenobi. Uh, at number five, Age of Empires. At number four, Civilization. First mention of Star Wars TIE Fighter. Am I right? I believe, yeah, I believe this yeah. is the first mention of TIE Fighter at number three on Kevin's list. We've got K-O-T-O-R, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, checking in at number two. And another mention of Assassin's Creed Odyssey clocking in at the top of Kevin's list. Why isn't Black Flag getting more love? I thought people love Black Flag. I guess I need to try out Odyssey and see what all the hype is about. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of love for it tonight. Uh, there has been. There's been a lot of love for that. There's been a lot of love for Witcher 3. There's been a lot of love for KOTOR. There's been a lot of love for uh, the Halo series. Republic Commando got a bunch of love. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm definitely seeing some trends here, and uh, it doesn't come as a surprise considering we're surrounded by a whole bunch of Star Wars fans. <laughs> yep, them Star Wars fans are everywhere. They don't know when to shut up. Like speaking as like, one of like, them. Like speaking as one man. of them. You, you, you step on one of them and about a dozen of them run in different directions. That, don't take that the wrong way. Don't step on a Star Wars fan. You might hurt them. All or, right. or punch him. That's acceptable. I mean, I've been there, done that. <laughs> it's okay. Do, do not recommend. Do not recommend, though. Um, okay. The last one, I believe, for the night, unless we have some late entries that I'm not aware of, or will, in case anyone. I will double check, my friend. I will double check, but I don't right, believe. That's so. cool. That's cool. And I've I've been known to miss this before when I'm putting the shows donuts together. So it happens. But I believe our last one for the night, I think, is a fitting one because it's our good buddy. Igor from Twitter, the proud member of Onaka Gang, and he's at TheronShan341 on Twitter, and his list is as follows. Number five, Team Fortress 2. Uh, number four, Left 4 Dead 2. Uh, number three, Halo 1 or Halo Combat Evolved. Uh, number two, Star Wars Republic Commando, yes, we got more Republic Commando, and uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic clocking in at number one for Igor. Ah, KOTOR again. <laughs> it won't go away. It's it's, uh, it's just, it just comes back just to smack you in the face again. It's like the plague, man. You just can't get rid of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't be comparing video games to the plague. That's an insult to the plague. Yeah, we're losing listeners by the second. <laughs> uh, we actually so, did get we actually did get yeah. one more last minute submission. We 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 posted our listen live now promo 
that asked, what are your top five favorite video games? And our friend Shane Cole wrote to us on Facebook and sent in one final list for the evening. I'm going to work from the bottom up because it doesn't have numbers, but I'm just going to assume that this is the way it's going. At number five, Gauntlet. At number four, Perfect Dark. Number three, GTA V. Number two, Assassin's Creed Three, And at number one, Majora's Mask. I'll be honest, I only know two of the five. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I think I'm about in the same boat. I don't... I don't know. I'm not super familiar with those. I'm not either. But again, like we said, that's that's the that's the beauty of um, of video games is even if it's not anything that we're familiar with, it's still stuff that people enjoy. Uh, Assassin's Creed Three is set in the Revolutionary War times, I believe. I did a I did a quick search of that just to make uh-huh. sure. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like one that I would enjoy because I'm a big Revolutionary War buff. Do you remember the PBS show Liberty's Kids? Oh, ho, 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 yes, I do. Oh, my gosh, man. That's a nostalgia trip in and of itself. That but show. Man. I learned a lot about Revolutionary War history from Liberty's Kids. And uh, pretty much since then, I have been gobbling up all the different history books and watching as many documentaries as I can. That's a period of our history that uh, I'm just a really big fan of. Um, so that would be interesting to play is, is seeing, you know, how they blend history with gaming and see how it all plays out. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I would. Yeah, there's not not a whole lot of Revolutionary War games out there, so that'd be great. No, there's not. Uh, there's there's a PC game that was a sequel to the Age of Empires franchise. I think it was AOE three that was set kind of in colonial uh, Revolutionary War times, but uh, it was it was so big, like the file was so big that you had to have like a gaming PC in order for it to play properly. Okay. We we tried to play it because my family was was big on the Age of Empires franchise when I was younger, and uh, we tried to play AOE three, and it just it didn't want to play properly, and the the gameplay was very different from the other games that we had played previously, anyways, and so uh, we kind of lost interest around AOE three, which is unfortunate, but it's the way of life, I suppose. Some things pique your interest, and some things don't. Yeah, and it also sucks when, like, it starts... Especially, like, I, I hate PC games for the reason that sometimes, a lot of times, my PC sucks. Yeah. And it can't play certain games, and yep. it really frustrates me. Whereas, you know, years later, my PS2 over there, it still plays games just fine. <laughs> so, yep. Whereas my PC, you know, I can't pop in my favorite you know, game from yesteryear and play it because my PC is just not set up for it. But yeah, you, you know what else is, is really funny uh, or I find it funny is that um, PlayStation 2 saves the game data on eight megabyte memory cards. That that is insane. It really is. <laughs> I remember for Christmas one year. I got one that was quadruple the memory, but still fit in the same memory slot, and I thought I was a badass because I had 32 megabytes of memory instead of eight. 
and I was able to put like almost all of my game data on that one disc and then any of the the backup games it was on the it was on the second memory card and so i basically had everything that i ever played on the ps2 on 40 megabytes of space wow that's oh man that's that it's it's mind-blowing comparing to what we have today yeah because i just bought a video game a week ago it's like the first video game i've bought in a while and it's because it was on sale for 3.99 and I literally had to wait overnight to download it. It took all night because my internet sucks. <laughs> but it's a it's an NBA basketball game, NBA 2K19, and it was a 56 gigabyte download. Yikes! For one game. From 40 megs of game data for everything you've ever played on the PlayStation 2 to 56 gigs for one game. That's insane. It's amazing how far we've come. And speaking of coming, we're going to come right back on the other side of this ad break to discuss our top five video game lists when the IPC podcast continues. is Sage from the Night Force Media Network, and I'm here to tell you about our new show, The Fandom Cantina, and why you need to tune into it. Also here to talk about it is, um, uh, oh yeah, right, it's Mondo. Wait, 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 so you should think I'm like, like an afterthought? Let no, me tell no, you but... something, okay? You act like I don't know anything about Star Wars I, I never and the said Force that. Or, uh, or other movies. I'll have you know, I was a Movie Pass subscriber, okay? And I subscribed Wait, to but... A-List, and you act like I don't know anything about television. You no. know, like all those fancy shows and video games. Let me I, tell you something, I man. I have beaten 50 video games this year alone, and 50? you don't think that I like making odd-numbered list countdown lists up? Oh, you are you are sadly mistaken, sir. So yeah, that's what our show's about. You can catch us 10 p.m. Eastern Wednesday nights. Mixler's Night Force Media. See you then.
And we are back from our break, continuing our discussion of top five favorite video games. Gotta make that distinction between favorite versus best, because my top five best is not amongst my top five favorites. Just gonna be putting that out there. Ben, I'm curious. We've gone through about 21, 22 lists or something like that. We, I think we had two uh, last-minute editions. Uh, so how have you done in the creating the structure of those uh, nine you mentioned earlier and putting them into five? Got any success yet? I, I'm done. I finished it a few minutes ago. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm all set up. And does that include honorable mentions? Are we going to go through those first? I have four honorable mentions. Okay. Um, hmm. One second. I'm going to try and come up with a fourth. I think I have one. Let me see. I'm trying to put pressure on you. That just what I came up with. Yeah, go ahead and um, go with yours, and I'm going to come up with one more while you're talking. <laughs> okay, okay. And this is this goes all over the place, and I really I, I I dug deep with this. Um, and the first one on, on my honorable mentions is Star Wars Episode One, Obi Wan's Adventure for the Game Boy. Going way back for the Game Boy. One of my favorite games. That game was great. It's like this side, side, top view thing. Really great. Um, another one, Galaga. Yep, Galaga. Okay, all right, you went there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going there. I'm going there, man. Um, another one, completely out of nowhere here. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Okay. For for anyone who don't who doesn't remember, like this is one of the first games that I was ever introduced to that was like a racing game that was also kind of open world game where you could play as the cops as well as the racers. So much fun, so much fun. I I need to like I think I lost my copy and plus my computer probably won't play it anyway. But like I like, seriously want to find some way to play that again because that game was marvelous and. The last honorable mention that I have is one of the few video game movie adaptions, and it's Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, the game. And that game is amazing, and it's one of the few, it's one of the few video game adaptions of a Star Wars film because it was the last one. Like you know, like hey, we can't top this. Plus, like every other uh, adaption of a movie into a video game is awful. But they did pretty good with that one, especially the lightsaber combat is fantastic. Huh. <clears throat> I don't know if I've even seen uh, gameplay footage of that, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I think I think you have. I think you have. I think this thing has been everywhere. Maybe. Um, even though you may not have realized it. I'm That may be it. I may not have just recognized it, but it, it may just have been circulating because I feel like it may have been in a music video or something because we've, we've got some friends that do really cool music videos and take footage from games and movies and stuff. It may have been from that. Yeah, yeah. It's It was, I mean, it was really heavily marketed about back in 2005 and it came right out with, with the... Uh, with the thing itself, and it also has, like, cutscenes. The cutscenes are, like, from the movie. Um, so, yeah, it's really involved, and it's, yeah, it's it's a really just a great game on its own in, a, in, in addition to being kind of an extension of Revenge of the Sith. That's cool. That's really cool. <clears throat> um, 
my honorable mentions are kind of out there. <laughs> I like Mo- out there. Mostly because I'm kind of out there. Um, I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of a spiel here for this first one, just because I need to justify why I put this in my honorable mentions. Um, my first honorable mention is a PlayStation 2 game. <laughs> I feel stupid just listing it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, do you remember VeggieTales? Uh, yes, but I never really watched it. <laughs> okay. Um, I had two younger siblings, and we grew up on VeggieTales. Uh, the very first VeggieTales episode came out when I was a kid, like, like really, really young. And so we were just kind of brought up on it. And it teaches, like, biblical values to you through the words of animated vegetables. But one of their favorite things that they did was they created a superhero that was basically a blend of Batman and Spider-Man. And he was called Larry Boy. And uh, he had a couple of fairly popular episodes, and then they came out with a third one, like, years and years and years later. And uh, there was a video game that they made that uh, was along the uh, similar lines to it. And some of the chapters that you played actually pertained to certain characters that found themselves in a heap of trouble in the Larry Boy uh, TV episode. And so you were basically blending the, the TV episode with the gameplay and also getting a couple of additional chapters that you didn't see in the TV show. And the reason that I put this on my honorable mentions is because if you want to introduce your kids to video games, like the how to master the controls, how to play, how to understand um, health regeneration, how to understand side quests, how to understand uh, chapter and autosave play and all that sort of stuff, Larry Boy and the Bad Apple is the way to go. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It, it it does all of those things and more set in a vegetable universe. So it's completely innocent. It's completely fun. But it also gives you a, a small sense of peril with certain uh, bad guys and boss battles that you have to play. At the end of every chapter, you actually have to play the primary villain and beat her. And then at the end of the game, the very, very end of the game, after you beat all six chapters, you actually have like this final boss battle set in the downtown district of the city. And so in certain cases, Larry Boy actually reminds me of a 2012 vegetable version of Spider-Man. It's wow. got it's got a story mode, it's got a gameplay, it's got autosave, it's rather open world as you can go throughout downtown as much as you want to, uh, bouncing off of buildings and performing side quests and stuff like that. It's got all of those elements, but set in a vegetable world. <laughs> wow. And that's why I feel like I need to justify it, because VeggieTales is just something that's very out there and very old school and not exactly a video game that anybody would really think of or mention, but if you ever wanted to introduce your kids to video games, I would suggest that game on the PlayStation 2. I, I, like, if you wanted to prepare them for bigger and better games, that's a really solid foundation. That does sound awesome, especially for kids. Yes. Yes, it was great for kids. I wouldn't recommend it for adults. It would be a frustrating <laughs> pain in the ass. Um, but it was fun as a kid. Uh, my other honorable mentions include 
uh, a PlayStation 2 game called Cars, the video game. Oh. It, it, was, it was based off of Disney Pixar's Cars, and it was very much like what you were talking about with Need for Speed. Um, very open world where you could drive around Radiator Springs and, and do all these different things, but you could also do races. You could do piston cup races. You could do races around town and pick up points, use those points to unlock new cars, new paint jobs, new races and routes and mini games and all kinds of fun stuff. And it had one of the most awesome soundtracks I've ever heard. And so nice. that was that was a really cool game. Another honorable mention would be Roller Coaster Tycoon. I played a lot of Roller Coaster Tycoon as a kid, and uh, my dad did as well. Much so to the point that we almost had to have an intervention for him because uh, at one point he had had a really rough day at work and decided to take it out on the game. And he built a bridge that went over a lake and his park goers would be walking across the bridge and he would just randomly delete different parts of the bridge so that the people would fall into the lake and drown. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sounds amazing. And that was his game. He lost the game because you had to have like a certain park rating or something like that, and his park rating tanked because he kept drowning attendants. But he had fun, and I found that the game is actually now on um, the App Store for both Apple and uh, Google. Oh. It, it costs like five or six bucks or something like that, but the interface and the gameplay, the design, everything is exactly the way it was on a PC, but you can play it on your phone now. So That's I've, awesome. I've bought that, and I've played that a couple of times. And then I have to put this among honorable mentions as well, only because these other games are just slightly more favorited now, but not in the past. Um, this is one of those nostalgic trips, the Lego Star Wars franchise. I played both one and two, like I talked about. Um, Episodes one through three taught me how to play the game, and then um, episodes four through six taught me to hate the game because I got frustrated with the long levels. Uh, But I enjoyed the heck out of that game so, so, so much. Uh, There was so much pastime involved in that, and so much enjoyment of the Star Wars universe. And that's why I'm excited for the Skywalker saga because it's nostalgia meets the modern day. And I have a feeling if we were to do this top five again next year, the Skywalker saga might end up in that top five. Yeah. Yeah. That's who, yeah, we're going to, we'll talk maybe, maybe, you know, if that comes out, we'll, we'll, we'll do a review of something or something. Or talk our, more about our, video games fir- because... our first ever video game review will come in 2020 when we both review Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Promising it now, June 14th, 2019, folks. There you go. There you go. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Maybe. 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 Who knows? So. It's written in stone. Stone that we're going (laughs) to chunk into the river and forget in about two months. But it's written in stone. Well, we shall see. We're on to our actual fives now, right? I'm I'm done. I'm done with my tangents. I'm done with my honorable mentions. Wanted to to say howdy to them, but uh, I'm really excited to go like super in depth with these five now. This is going to be fun. This is cool. Well, well, why don't you go ahead and start it off with your number five? Okay, alrighty. My my number five. I guess you could call this a franchise. I I here's the deal. I really didn't have my own gaming system until I turned thirteen. 
For my 13th birthday, I got a PlayStation 2. Before then, my parents considered it a waste of time, a waste of energy, a waste of money. But they finally gave me a little bit of independence by giving me a PlayStation 2 for my 13th birthday. And the very first game that they gave me was NCAA Football 2007. And uh, from that point, I became a student of the game. Not just the video game, but like football, the game, American football. Okay. Uh, by playing that, I understood spread offenses versus the I formation. I learned what a 4-3 defense was versus a 4-2-5 and how to combat it. Uh, I, you know, I learned all these different intricacies of the game by playing that. And then I bought the 2010 version after that uh, a few years later. And those two football games, to this day, I find more fun than just about any Madden game I've ever played. I still enjoy Madden, and I enjoy how modern it looks. But if we had a modern look on NCAA football, I would be buying that every year instead of Madden. Much like I mentioned when I was talking about Joey's list, having 119 different teams at your disposal compared to 32 different teams, it's just night and day. And I've just always enjoyed college football more than pro football when I'm watching it anyways. And so... I learned a lot from that game, and I've got a lot of nostalgia attached to that game. So EA Sports NCAA football checks in at number five for me. Nice. Nice. I, I, I should have seen that coming. I should have seen you a sports should have, game coming. You should have seen a sports game on the horizon. I mean, my major was sports journalism in college. <laughs> Well, well, well. That's a great choice. That's a great choice. And I feel like, <coughs> excuse me, I feel like my choice, my choice for nine number five, would be one that you would enjoy too. Oh, really? That, and it's something that I feel like it's right up your alley, and it's one that I really. It's been a long time since I've played this game, but I still have so many fond memories of something, and I don't. I think the game was given to me back in the day, and maybe not even in a legal way. <laughs> oh, dear. But uh, since I am a known pirate now, because of my uh, infamous Aladdin rant now, um, <laughs> I have to come out of the closet with, with my, my piracy, R or whatever you want to call it. They don't say R anymore. Yeah, that, that's a thing of the past. So this one is very similar to your roller coaster tycoon. That oh. you were just talking about. Okay, okay. And the one that I played and the one that I really enjoyed was Zoo Tycoon. Ah, uh, I made reference to this earlier, and this was where you had to bite your tongue, wasn't it? You, I was typing it in to my numbers five spot, and you were talking about it at the same time. And I had to keep <laughs> my damn mouth shut. <laughs> Oh, that's just the wavelength we work on now, my friend. <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts. But I wanted to save it to talk about it here. I didn't want to spoil it. So here we go. Zoo Tycoon. Just, I love, like, strategy games where you get to build stuff and do stuff. Like, I got addicted to SimCity on my phone for a few months at a time. And it was bad because I... I'm just an obsessive person, and it, it got really in depth there for a while. And thankfully, I got it got old pretty quick. But um, 
Zoo Tycoon was the same way, and I one of the reasons I loved it was because like you can like get really crazy with like yeah if you put you know a giraffe with a lion they're the lion's gonna eat the giraffe like <laughs> it's pretty crazy. One of the things I loved was. My favorite thing was I did, and they did there's so many different things. Like you can do like walkways, but you can also do a like safari ride. You can like set these cars out, and they will go along a route into your safari, and you can kind of let the animals roam. So my park was a park that was had no carnivores, it had no lions, no anything. It was all monkeys, all every kind of. Okay. Every species of monkey you could possibly think of, and they're all out there hanging out together. And they're all in this open plain. And, of course, they're monkeys, so they're not hurting each other, not hurting anybody, but then you get on a a safari track, and you go through these different things, and you see gorillas and stuff like that. And I think I was raking a lot of money in with that thing because it was it was pretty popular, pretty popular. And it was just a lot of fun because, like, you kind of played around and there was no, like, fences or whatever, kind of everything. And then sometimes, you know, I'd throw a line in there just for the heck of it, just to see what happened. <laughs> you know, because I knew ah. like that. Oh, chaos theory at its best. That's hilarious. <sighs> but, yeah, that was a lot of fun. One of my favorites. That's a great one, man. That That is really fun. Uh, I I played some Zoo Tycoon out of... Uh, wanting to see how it worked compared to Roller Coaster Tycoon. I don't think I did quite as well with Zoo Tycoon, and I ended up migrating back to Roller Coasters, especially when they had like these uh, expansion packs that came out. But I do I do have some fond memories of those, uh, especially like I said, the 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 hippo uh, when you when you didn't put a a proper fence around the hippo exhibit, he would charge it and he would break through. And then he would end up charging and, and killing the, the zoo visitors. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, well, that's quasi-realistic, but also also really fun. Uh, if they had a more modern version of it, I might try it. <laughs> yeah, they need to. That That's why I love when they do, like, the Steam things where they put them online just to, you know, to, uh, to, so you can just download them freely, you know, new versions of them. Great, um, but I don't know. I can't really. F- I haven't found Zoo Tycoon in a while, so I'm gonna have to go track it down one of these days. But okay, so I think we're up to our number four, specifically your number four. My number four is a more recent one, mm-hmm. and uh, it is quite possibly one of the best. And and I really don't know if I like saying this about myself, um, but. It's probably the best video game to play when drunk. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> you get hella tipsy, and then you go and play this game, and it's got to be one of the most fun games ever. But it's it's just fun in general. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's really fun in general, but I've got video footage of when... Uh, we played Rocket League with some friends of mine, and we all had a little bit too much to drink, including this one person that's five foot nothing and had seven shots of tequila. And, oh, no. And then decided she wanted to play Rocket League. <laughs> and it was chaos. Absolute chaos. Have you ever seen footage of Rocket League? 
Yes. Yes. In fact, I think when I was at your house, we were playing it. I think we did. I think we did play it when, when you came to visit uh, during the trip to Dallas. You're right. Um, it's basically, for those of you who've never seen Rocket League, it is soccer with race cars. Basically. You you drive a sports car, a race car. You can unlock different cars like the Batmobile or something like that. And there's all these different arenas you play in. And you are driving a souped-up sports car and hitting a metallic ball into a goal. And it's it's soccer with race cars. And it's really crazy to play when tipsy, but it's also really crazy to play online against people who have been doing this a really, really, really long time. Um, I watched like this um, this championship match of these dudes who were doing it at like an esports competition, and some of their moves just blew me away. It was amazing some of the some of the tricks and techniques that they were able to pull off to get like this last second goal. There was like three seconds on the clock, and if the ball hits the ground when there's all zeros, then uh, the game is over. But if you can keep it up in the air and hit it in goal while the clock is on zeros, the game continues. And this one dude basically carried the ball on the back of his car all the way into the goal, somehow kept it balanced and kept it from hitting the ground and carried it into uh, a goal to hit the game winning shot. And it was just insane to watch. Um, but it's, it's really fun to, to play. It's really fun to watch. And the other thing that I really like about it is it's got a time limit on it. The game lasts five minutes. And if it goes to overtime, it lasts maybe seven or eight, which is fantastic for somebody that is on a time crunch like myself. If I don't have a whole lot of time in the day, but I want to play a video game, Rocket League is the best option for me. I can hop on, I can play a game against AIs, and I can hop right back off again. And so it's it's just got great gameplay. It's got uh, some, some great cars, characters, online playing ability. And like I said, if you've had a little too much to drink, it's really fun then. <laughs> because you get super competitive and you have no idea what the heck you're doing. So, yeah, Rocket League clocks in at number four. That's awesome yeah that that i've seen a lot of gameplay of that and i think i even played a little bit of it and it, it's yeah it's really a lot of fun and it's such a simple concept really it's kind of crazy how, it is it, like, it's amazing how simplistic it is and yet super popular it is yeah yeah that is great okay so for something completely different <laughs> my number four my number four is is we've talked about a lot that tonight and considering how many hours of my life I've spent on Lego Star Wars games? I had to include one of them in this. And no, I'm not going to cop out and say all of the games. No, I'm not going to do that. I, gotta, I had to pick one specific one. And it was an easy no-brainer for me because there is one that stands out in my mind that I think... Honestly, I think the series peaked with this one. And it is Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy. And that game... I had I had it on PC somewhere. <laughs> Again, I don't know if my computer would actually play it, but that game is amazing. I think it just is it was the perfect blend of the original with the prequel trilogy, upping the ante and doing all new different things, but still kind of keeping the same charm with it. I think it kind of 
it got really overcomplicated when you started getting into the Clone Wars and the Complete Saga and all this kind of stuff. They added too many things, and they started adding voices, which I think kind of lost the char- some of the charm of it. But that game was just so much fun, and the, and the levels are really complex. And like, like I remember specifically, the Battle of Endor level is massive, and it's so much fun. And also, every time I tried to play it, it would slow down my computer. <laughs> Because it was trying to do so much. But it was still a blast. And I just I adore that game. And again, I'm sitting here going, I want to play that. I want to play that right now. Because that was so much fun. And uh, now I guess I guess it's just a matter of time before Skywalker Saga has to gain. Hopefully it can bring back the magic of that game. Because that game was perfection. Uh, I think one of the ones that I remember the most was the chapter called Junlin Wastes, I think it was, in uh, yes, A New Hope. that's great. That's great. That chapter was so long, dude. It yeah. just kept going. And you were basically going all the way from the, the Sandcrawler to Ben Kenobi's uh, flat, or whatever it is you want to call it. And you're, you're going past all of these... Um, sand people you're going through these mud holes you're going through the actual sand crawler at one point you have all these different twists and turns you have to get through you've got blocks that you've got to slide and move in order to create bridges you've got certain things that require a grappling hook to be able to activate like it was very immersive and i i do remember that one a lot and i remember moss eisley a lot when uh, when Han Solo and Chewbacca are trying to escape the cantina and make it to the Falcon, that one was a longer chapter than I was expecting it to be also. So, yeah, I think the, the longer chapters and the more intrinsic gameplay was one thing that, that that game really, really did well. It made it more than just about the Legos. It also made it about the story and the challenge, and that was that was part of the fun. Yeah. So, so true. Okie dokie. I guess we're on to our number threes then, huh? I guess we are. It's going quick. Yeah, we're getting there. We are getting there. But I think the closer to uh, to our number twos and number ones that we get, the, uh, the more time we're going to be dedicating to these conversations. Um, some of these... Some of these may be getting closer to being, like, similar. Maybe not exactly the same, but pretty similar. Um, my number three... This has some nostalgia attached to it, but also kind of not. Um, this is, in my mind, in my estimation, I believe this is the first video game I ever played. Really? I could be mistaken, but I do believe that this is the first video game that I ever played. Uh, when I was about seven, I guess, maybe eight, I started going over to a friend's house once a week. And it was so my mom could have a respite from three kids. <laughs> we go hang out. We go. We go hang out at my friend's house for a few hours so that my mom would have some time off. Uh, but for me, it was just seen as you know having fun. And he had a Nintendo 64. And uh, he didn't have a whole whole lot of games, or maybe he only wanted to play a, a couple of specific games. I never could figure that part out. But one of the games that we played time and time again, and I do believe it was the first game that I played, was Mario Kart. 
Oh yes. Mario I'm glad you're going here. Mario Kart for the Nintendo 64 is to this day one of my favorite games of all time. I haven't played it in a long, long time, but I remember certain shortcuts that you could take on certain levels. I remember certain characters being better for certain terrains than other ones. And one of the one of the cool things um, about the way my life has kind of come full circle. Do you know the YouTuber I just seen? Yes. Yes. I am very Okay. Familiar. Back in 2016 when I flew out to LA to this. to go yeah. see Rogue One, I Justine and Nintendo had partnered to join us on our flight and give away Nintendo 3DS XLs to everyone on the flight for free. And the first thing that I purchased when I got that free Nintendo 3DS XL was Mario Kart. <laughs> uh, and to this day, I only have like two or three games on that Nintendo 3DS XL because I haven't needed anything else. Because the, the Mario Kart on that game reminds me so much of the Mario Kart from the N64 that I don't really need anything else. I, I really don't. I, I have always enjoyed that game, and I believe it will always be one of my favorites. Nice. Yeah, Mario Kart, oh gosh. It's a classic. Like the only the only the only thing I hate about Mario Kart is the fact that someone once tricked me into using Bowser as <laughs> and that was that was that was a that was that was thing and I was dumb enough to believe them. Um <laughs> other than that, it's a freaking blast i i really love it man i i don't love rainbow road but <laughs> nobody does i don't think anybody does so um but i think wario's world is one of my favorites um i think uh there there's some there's some old school routes that you can play on as well and so that and anything that has palm trees Pretty much anything that has palm trees that you have to dodge and duck, it just makes for really interesting terrain. So, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the way that it's animated. Maybe it's the nostalgia attached to it, seeing them like I saw them when I was a kid. I don't know. But for some reason, Mario Kart palm trees stick out to me for some reason. No idea. <laughs> Gotta love those computer-generated palm trees. Right? Gotta love them. All right, so is is it is it my turn? Is it my turn? I yield the floor to you, sir. All right, so for my number three, we're gonna go back, go way way back to a time long time ago in a galaxy not really that far away. To a little game that is been I, I it's probably one of my earliest memories is playing this game and it came with a bunch of other games other bunch of other classic games like Pac-Man like some of you maybe even remember Pole Position um which is the racing game um but this one by far my favorite still to this day I I try to pick it up and play it any chance I get it's Dig Dug 
I think I mentioned Dig Dug at one point in the show earlier as well. Man, you really had to bite your tongue a bit for this one today, didn't you? <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It was hard. But I I knew, like, as soon as I started, like, thinking about this list, I'm like, well, I've got to put Dig Dug. Like, you know, there's just no way around it. No, there, there no really... way I can ignore it. No, I'm I'm with you, man. There, there were ah, so many options. So, so many options. Actually, in truth, um, my dad once found a PlayStation 2 game that uh, was literally nothing but arcade games. It had it had Galaga, it had Galatian, it had Dig Dug, it had Pac-Man, it had Ms. Pac-Man, it had Pole Position, it had uh, a couple of others that I don't remember the names for them. And it was it was like this rotating bezel where you just turn the analog stick and it flipped between different arcade games. And then you just press the X button and that game would pop up and you could play that arcade game on your TV screen. Oh my gosh. Wow. And we still got have, that. You ever have the uh, Atari joystick where it was just a joystick and you plugged it into the TV and it would put all the games, like it had like 100 games on it? I, I didn't have the Atari version, but I did have several others that were like that plug it in and play. That was really popular for a while. Just, uh-huh. pl- just plug that single game into your TV and play that single game on it. The graphics weren't always that good, but it was like super easy to just plug it in and go at it. We had a Thomas the Train version of that game. Oh uh, we had we had Pac-Man with the joystick. Um, we had Wheel of Fortune. We had wow. we had a Wheel of Fortune plug it in a play game where you would like press the A button and the wheel would spin and then you would just go through the keyboard and like press G or L or whatever and see if it would pop up on the board and then you would like press the B button if you wanted to solve the puzzle and you would just like fill in each of the individual letters and that was the game it, it would randomly pick the category it would randomly land on different spots on the wheel and whatever but that that was the game pretty much it was wow. it was crazy so i need to i need to find something like that i don't even know if my tvs are compatible with that anymore because everything is hdmi ports nowadays but i would i would love to find stuff like that because i believe there is a Star Wars game that is like that. I think at one point Star Wars made a plug it in and play game that was centered around episode three. And I have that. I have it. Really? Yes. Dude. It's great. I, it is I, great. It's seriously, I, I still it's I don't know where it is right now. It's like really old and in and, and I think the wires are kind of frayed on it, so it's kind right. of uh, damn right it's but, old. But it's fun. Like it, there's like there's a gunship game. There's a one of them that was really addicting. Was there's a game where you're riding Boga as Obi Wan, and you're like it's like a top scrolling thing, and you have to avoid and also shoot stuff. It's crazy good. And there's a Starfighter game. There's a bunch of different games. I I remember one where you're on uh, Grievous's ship and you have to fight your way through the ship in order to rescue the Chancellor. Yes, yes, that one, oh man, that was really hard. Like to the point I only got a few levels in. I'm like, screw this. I'm I not know. Going any further. I know the the droidicas and the ray shields got to me like every time. You get 3 lives. That's it. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's the way it's been with a lot of those games, you know? Yeah. No no save points, no nothing. Okay, before we go to our number 2s and our number 1s, 
Can I just give like a mini round of applause to all of our listeners and 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 you and me because unless you're throwing me a curveball, I don't feel like your two or your number one is going to include this game. Okay. Nobody, nobody, anywhere in any of their lists mentioned Fortnite. Oh, oh! I didn't even re- notice that. Thank you to our intelligent audience for realizing <laughs> that this game is nothing but a money-grabbing fad and is not a legitimate addition to the video game universe and is not deserving of your top five recognition. I give you all a fictitious round of applause for not having this on any of your lists that you sent to us. Thank you very much for not making me have to discuss it, and I'm mad at myself for even mentioning it in the first place. All all the ninja fans just tuned out. (laughs) Don't care. (laughs) Do not care. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's surprising. That really is. I mean, we didn't even we didn't even have any of the derivatives on there. Like, there's three or four derivatives of Fortnite on there too, and and none of those got mentioned either. So, you know, I I get why it's popular. I played it a few times. It's kind of like the Hunger Games, if you will, like Last Man Standing kind of thing. But I don't see why it's so addicting. I really don't. Like, you start out with a scythe, and that's it. And sometimes you find a weapon, sometimes you don't. And sometimes you make it to the top ten, sometimes you win, sometimes, most of the time, you don't. It's just, whatever. It's a very whatever game to me. It's it's not even something that would be in my top 100, and I don't think I even have played 100 different video games. <laughs> Anyways. Oh my gosh. Anyways, time for our top two. Uh, All right. My number two is actually something that has been several people's number one. And if I hadn't ever played my number one, this game would be my number one. I, I know that sounds confusing, but this one, it was just very, very close. That's what I'm trying to say. Very, very close. But uh, my number one still won out eventually. But okay. this number two is very near and dear to me for so many different reasons. Um, it's, it's one that was part of my childhood. I, like I said, when I got my PS2, um, my first game that I got, it came with it. It was that NCAA football game. I went to target within a week and started looking for other PlayStation two games to buy. And I found this game and I have been hooked on it ever since. And then I got hooked on the, uh, the sequels that came after it. And it's it's just been a part of my life for so long that I can't omit it from this list. And that, of course, is the Battlefront franchise. Yes, yes. I found Star Wars Battlefront 2 on sale for like $10 at Target, and it was the best $10 I ever spent. <laughs> I found it again on my Xbox when they did this thing where you could buy Xbox games and just download them directly to your system on your Xbox One. I actually found Battlefront 2 for about 10 bucks and downloaded it. And now I can play the old school Battlefront 2 on my Xbox One whenever I want. 
And then I've also got Battlefront and Battlefront 2 from DICE. And I can play those whenever I want. And it's just so fun to be able to hop online with people and play different campaigns online or just to go through different sessions and practice your marksmanship, your accuracy, the world building that they've done and the graphics for uh, Battlefront and Battlefront 2 are amazing. The gameplay from the original Battlefront 2 is still amazing. I know that I'm kind of mushing these things together, but I feel like I have to because it's all part of one family. I, right. I, it's it's a bit of a cop-out, yes. If I had to pick one, it would be the old-school Battlefront 2, but I, I can't you know, mention that and also not mention what has been done since because I know it's gotten a lot of hate, but I have actually got to give a lot of props to Battlefront 2. The DLCs, the, the weaponry... Uh, one thing that I found really cool was when I played a Camino campaign uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's a it's a first person shooter game, obviously, and uh, the rain actually got on my lens, so that it made it difficult for me to shoot. And wow. so it got really in depth. Like the rain from Camino affects your shot. That's how much attention to detail the Battlefront 2 put people put into that game. And so, wow. yeah, it's it's been a part of me since I was 13, so practically half my life. And now I get to experience that nostalgia while also experiencing more modern adult versions of the game as well. And it's just a great blending and a great franchise. And uh, it it definitely is is deserving of top two recognition in my mind. Absolutely. Yes. 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 I'm not going to say anymore. I'm not going to say anymore. Well, you have like we, uh, you have you have more to say, no doubt. It's just going to come at a different time, I believe. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe I'm just going to talk about my number 2 right now because I was alluding to it earlier. Bring it on, my friend. And I didn't want to say it was another one of those things where I was biting my tongue because I really want to talk about it and now I am. My number two is one of those strategy games. One of those games that is completely different. And it's kind of, like, I feel like it's a niche thing, but it really, they just, when it comes to video games, which I'm not a huge video game person, um, they're the ones that really stand out to me. And this is by far one of my favorites. And it is my number two. It is Star Wars Empire at War. And this is one that is, it's just, the whole thing, I just love the whole, you know, being able to control your own fleet, control your own ground forces, and, you know, and the way it's set up is really well, you you, some, you go, like, in the conquest level, um, you there's so many different things you can do, take over different planets, you know, and it's, it's really hard, like, I never really won at it, I <laughs> just kind of, like, you know, sent, you know, a bunch of cruisers into battle, and then watch them get destroyed, and then I go back and, you know, tr try to, uh, make more money and build more stuff, and, you know, ultimately <laughs> try to survive, but so much fun over the years, and, and I actually ended up with, I think I got it for birthday or Christmas. A it was the edition where I got both the original version and the expanded edition, which included the uh, the I, don't know what, I can't remember what it was called, but it included Tiber Zahn. I don't know if you remember that character. Um, and it was introduced like a third part of a third side to the war. 
and you could like corrupt things and do so it was like this criminal element that was like had their own ships and stuff like that you can control them and then there was another part of it where you could set it up with like on one battlefield or one like in space you could set up where you could put three different factions and they would fight each other which was really cool that was one of my favorites you could just kind of throw stuff at that and uh yeah just such a fun game uh, again again i want to go back and play it it's so much fun but i don't even know where the discs are and probably won't play on my computer yeah that's the problem with pc games because like windows 10 it's not compatible with a lot of the games that i want to play nowadays yeah it's just not and it sucks because i'm just like i really want to play this but i don't think I can play this now, which is is frustrating. I actually did play Empire at War at a certain point in time. Um, my dad went to like this uh, kind of a cleaning out the closet fair at his school library, and okay. uh, some of the stuff that was among the computer games was Battlefront Two and Empire at War. Battlefront Two was just too large and too immersive to try and play on a PC. Uh, and it was just really overwhelming for me, too. But Empire at War, I could play. I didn't play it very well, mind you, but I played Conquest mode, much like you, and I would send uh, stormtroopers into battle against the rebels, and a lot of times they lost because I didn't have the strategy part down very well. Um, they wouldn't hide behind the sand dunes. I'd tell them to go stand behind the sand dunes, and then they stand on top of the sand dunes and just get shot down, which was frustrating. But <laughs> But then... Uh, after I had enough kills or enough hit points or something like that, I'd be able to call in for reinforcements, and one of those reinforcements would be Darth Vader. And he would just come in and kick ass, man. He would just wipe everybody out the way he did on Rogue One. And that's how I'd win a lot of my battles. My space battles, I kind of had to pick and choose my battles, if you will, because one of the things that I learned to do um, much, much later was attack the space stations. Because they didn't have as much armor, and they still counted as victories because you would just take out the stations and then retreat before the rest of the fleet could show up. And mm -hmm. they would still count as victories on your victory tally, but um, you didn't have to like do ship-to-ship -ship combat nearly as much. They'd have a few fighters that you could knock out. They'd have maybe uh, a cruiser or something like that, but not like a, a big battleship or anything like that. And so that made it a lot easier to win those types of battles. It was kind of a hit-and-run tactic that the Rebels usually use, but I used it as the Empire, which was kind of funny. But I do remember that game. I, I do remember it, and I do have fond memories of it. If there was a strategy game that, that was like that, that was compatible with Windows 10 or even, you know, an actual, you know, like a, I wouldn't say an actual gaming system because then I'd be offending PC gamers, but like an Xbox or a PlayStation <laughs> 4 or something like that, then I'd be all over it. But unfortunately, strategy games just, I guess, aren't as popular as they used to be, which is a shame because I was brought up on strategy games much like Empire at War and much like my number one. Oh, that's a sizzle. Well, let's get into it. All right. Uh, this is one that I almost forgot about because it's been so long since I've played. But it's still, to this day, my favorite game ever. I, I cannot think of anything else that I have ever enjoyed 
in the digital virtual world quite as much as I enjoyed this game. It taught me strategy. It taught me uh, uh, battle tactics. It caught. It, it, it taught me how to budget my resources. It taught me, you know, what kind of ways to outthink and outmaneuver your opponent. Uh, it taught me which civilization was uh, was better for which terrain. Like I had this thing down to a science, dude. That's how much I played it. I was such a fan of this that I bought, not bought, I downloaded the background music and saved it to my phone at the time <laughs> just so I could listen to it whenever I wanted. That's how into this game I was. So when I say that this is my favorite game of all time, I don't say it lightly by any stretch of the imagination. This game is an old PC game called Age of Empires 2. More, oh. more specifically, the Conqueror's Expansion Pack. Because on the Conqueror's, you have uh, real-world maps that you can play on, like um, Britain. Britain is one of my favorites that you can play on. Uh, Europe is another one that you can play on. And then there's one real-world map that I especially love. It's called Texas. <laughs> it's got the Panhandle. It's got the Rio Grande Valley. It's got a couple of lakes in it. And you can put as many as, like, five different civilizations on this one smallish Texas-sized map. And you've got to, like, really, really duke it out with them because you're in such close proximity to one another. But you could build navies, you could build armies, you had villagers that were collecting resources for you, you had walls and castles and knights and archers and all these different things that helped you uh, to, to build up your country. You could go through different ages, such as the feudal age, the castle age, and each one had its own specific technology. And if you weren't advancing at the pace that everyone else was and you were in trouble... And there were just so many different elements to this game, so many different pieces of strategy, so many different ways to figure out exactly what you want to do and how you want to do it, that there was never any game that was exactly the same. You never played the same campaign twice. Even if you selected the Texas map, it would put you on different parts of the map and would put you against different opponents. So there, there was never anything exactly the same about the game other than the fact that you needed to be the last civilization standing. That was how you won. And that, mm. was, that was your ultimate objective. And so in a certain way, it's a little bit like Game of Thrones. You, yeah, it does sound that When way. you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. And your house needs to be the one that's on top at the end of the game. And I, I don't know, man. There were just so many things about it that I really, really enjoyed playing. And I've got this old Toshiba laptop that has no battery on it. Uh, it only works when it's plugged in. But <laughs> I've got this old Toshiba laptop lying around somewhere, and I never updated its operating system. So it's not on Windows 10. And I feel like if I've got a chance at playing this game still, it's on that old Toshiba laptop. And just talking about this game makes me want to go back and play it again i love this game to no end that sounds awesome that really that 
and that's you know kind of right up my alley too. That that those type of games, man, they're so you can't, they're so different. You can't even play it online anymore. The the online server has been shut down. So wow. the only way you can play this game is if you've got like Windows Seven somewhere, and you've got the the CD for it. Like that's that's how niche this game is. But even with older graphics, I believe it's one of Microsoft's best games ever. Because you had that, but then there was also a story mode that you could do. And so depending on which civilization you were, you could play as the Aztecs through the reign of Montezuma. Or or you could be uh, the, the Britons or the Saxons and go through the story of Joan of Arc. Wow. And, and so there there were different ways you could play the game. You could do that conquering one, or you could do a story mode based on the campaign of somebody like that, or El Cid, or uh, I want to say there was one for the, the Saracens. Um, William Wallace. William Wallace... Um, was another one that was really fun to play. The Scottish uh, rebellion against the British. That was a, one of the first campaigns that you could play to teach you how to play the game in the first place. And so there were there were just a lot of different ways to play the game and a lot of different civilizations you could be, each one with their own special technology. There was one team, uh, the Persians, that their special equipment was war elephants. Oh, you could build you could build an army of elephants and march them into battle and they would knock down enemy towers, enemy castles, enemy walls with their giant tusks. That's amazing. It was so much fun. Just talking about it makes me want to go play it now. (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah, that is crazy good. Yeah. So if you're looking for a piece of old school strategy gaming. I could not recommend Age of Empires 2 enough. That sounds awesome. So am I am I right in assuming it's a bit like Empire War? Uh it actually kind of is. It's it's like a middle-aged version of Empire at War. The gameplay is a little different in the sense that you're not just fighting for conquest of a planet or something like that. You also have people that are harvesting trees and farms and mining gold and stone, and then you use those resources to build your armies. So you're, you're kind of multitasking by keeping up with your villagers who are collecting your resources for you, and then you use those resources to build walls, castles, pay for archers and swordsmen, and you use those in the defense of your empire and also to build your army so that you can attack other people's civilizations. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really fun. It's kind of hard to describe just from talking about it. But, um, one of my favorite elements was, um, naval strategy because you could build transport ships and put your army inside the transport ships, bring them right up to the bay of your opponent and if their watchtowers didn't see you you could basically just drop off like 60 80 100 forces right on their shores and just scatter them and all hell would break loose wow 
and then you could have some ships that had cannons attached to them. They were called cannon galleons. And you could basically uh, wipe out the coastline defenses to make way for your transport ships so that your ships didn't get shot down or anything. And so you would have that and you would have uh, fire ships, which were basically like ships with giant flamethrowers on the end of them. And you could use them to burn the enemy fleets and stuff. Um, there were some that were called demolition ships that were basically like kamikaze boats. They just had explosives on them and you could ram them into other boats, other docks, other towers that were along the coastline. And it would do damage to those ships, possibly even sink them in one hit. Mm -hmm. So that's crazy. Yeah. You had, you had army, you had cavalry, you had, uh, trebuchets, you could, you could get like these giant catapults that would do that type of damage on land from a distance. Dude, it was it was immersive. It was really immersive. I, w- I was talking about how you could get lost in Minecraft. I got lost in Age of Empires more times than I can count. Because I was just so wrapped up in building my empire, building my army, getting ready for war, defending myself from my opponents that, you know, two, three hours would pass by in the blink of an eye and I wouldn't even notice. Oh yeah, you can lose yourself easy with that. There's so many variables. You just, oh, you just, you're, you're over, over, overrun. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the thing is, I had to play with headphones after a while because the soundtrack that plays in the background actually creeped my mom out. She didn't care for it, and so you know when you're playing a game like that, it's full screen. Obviously, you can't see what time it is on your computer. So I've got my headphones in, I've got the game playing, I'm basically shut off from the rest of the world, and I I lose track of time super easy in a game like that. Two, three hours are gone, and it's like nothing even happened. Yeah. Totally feel you. Totally feel you. And I feel that way about my number one, too. I, I'm i sorry, man. I went on a way longer tangent than I no, thought I would. No, that was that was great. That was great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you you got to, I'm glad you're so passionate about that because I, I, I honestly I don't know much about that game. So it's 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 amazing to me that, you know, you 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 were exposed to it and you, you love it, obviously. Oh, very much. And, uh, so it makes me want to play it. Like I don't, I don't even have much exposure to it, but like you, you, uh, you, you made a good sales pitch there. There you go. I'm proud of you. There you go. And see, I never saw myself as a salesman, but I might be able to sell that game to people. Who knows? There you go. There you go. So my number. One. I feel like we need to have like a drum roll or something. And I feel like this should be of no surprise to some people, but maybe, maybe a few of you just are completely oblivious to what I'm about to say here. You just don't follow him on Twitter. You've never listened to the Star Wars Underworld podcast. You have no idea who this guy is. This is going to completely blindside you, folks. You're never going to guess what this could possibly be. No judgment, no judgment, but yeah, you don't know me. You don't know me. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's just that this is one of my favorite games of all time. It is probably, it is my favorite game of all time. That's why it's number one. And, yeah, it's a Star Wars game. Who <laughs> knew that was coming? And it's also from the Battlefront series. And, no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's the entire Battlefront series. I'm saying it's a, fr- it's a specific game because some of them I haven't played. Others, 
I don't really care for um, because this one is the best. It's still the best. It always will be the best. It is Star Wars Battlefront 2, the OG Star Wars Battlefront 2 from 2005. And it's a game that I continually will go back to and play after many, many years of playing it. I mean, I got a PS2 well after they were like popular. Like, I think even PS3s may have been out by the time I got a PS2. <laughs> so, you know, and one of the first games I ever got was Battlefront 2. And just mind-blowing. I mean, that game for its time, even even when it was old, it was still just amazing. And what you could do in it and what, you know, the story that it told and all this kind of stuff. And just the gameplay. It's just great. It still holds up. I think it really, it's, yeah, it's an older game. Even the graphics aren't as good as they could be. But I think as a first-person or, or third-person shooter, as I like to play it, um, it's still just an incredible game, an incredible experience, and it just puts you in Star Wars. And in a day and age where we have a theme park, where you can go and you can actually be in Star Wars, maybe that's not quite as impressive. But back in 2005, that was crazy and putting you on the battlefront putting you in these iconic locations like the battle of hoth or the battle of coruscant or whatever or operation nightfall the jedi temple so many different things and being able to explore those just as a person just this open world it was crazy and top it off with just some great gameplay and it's 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 timeless it's absolutely timeless and as i said i'll i'll play any chance i get you know uh, you know i still i got my ps2 it's right over there, and it's still hooked up, and my friends, doesn't take much to like, hey, let's play Battlefront 2 again for the five millionth time because we love it. And I think a lot of people, and it's a shame because I really got, I got into it, then I got into the online version, and now I think the online servers are down um, because they shut them down a little while ago, but it's all around just whether you're playing online or against other people, against the AI. It's just so great. Well, there's so many different planets. There's so many different ways you can play. Because it's got a conquest mode. It's got a story mode. It's got instant right. action. It's got heroes versus villains. It's got space battles. Uh, it's got great, great characters that you can be. Uh, there's a lot of strategy involved, you know, figuring out, uh, who's the best character to be in this planet in this situation? Should you be uh, a sniper if you're on Geonosis up at that upper command post? Should you be Boba Fett on Kashyyyk in order to take out the Wookiees? You know, there's so many different thoughts that you have to go into, but it's also super reflexive because it's a it's a first person shooter, and so you you are blending. Star Wars with strategy, with reflexive FPS uh, or 3PS, and it's all built into this one game from 2005. Like you said, it's yeah. it's timeless. It's coming up on being 15 years old. It's going to be 15 years old next year, dude, and we're still here talking about it crazy it's absolutely crazy and it's amazing and it's why i downloaded it to my xbox <laughs> i can play it any freaking time that i want okay you want to hear one of my favorite uh battlefront 2 stories absolutely 
uh, I don't mean to be taking away from your number one. If you've got a story that you want to tell, by all means. Uh, no, 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 no. Really, I, I kind of said my piece on this one. This one's really dear and dear to my heart, but I don't have any specific stories, so I'm curious about what you have to say. Okay. Um, so this was probably about eight years ago, I want to say. Somewhere around eight eight to nine years ago. Uh, this, was, this was my buddy Paco, the guy that I had the Halo party with, except it was just him and me. We were hanging out at my house at the time, and we decided to take the PlayStation 2 out of the game room and put it in the living room because nobody was home. It was just us. We put the PS2 in the living room, and it's like a 40, 45-inch TV. Pretty big. And we play uh, Battlefront 2 on that big TV screen. We do heroes versus villains at one point. And the only place you can do that on the 2005 Battlefront 2 is the Moss Eisley map. Mm-hmm. And on that map, Moss Eisley is probably one of the biggest maps in the whole game, if not the biggest. It is absolutely amazing how many twists and turns you can take, how lost you can get on the Moss Eisley map. Like, it's just. It's crazy. And so rather than uh, actually fighting the villains as the heroes, we get Anakin Skywalker and decide to just go explore Mos Eisley. And at one point, we found ourselves on the opposite end of the map from the place that looks kind of like an arena that's right next to the cantina. You know the one that I'm talking about that's got the weird... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. got like the tilted tower that you can stand on the top of if you if you time the jump right. You know, you know that place? Absolutely. Okay, so we found ourselves on the opposite ends of that and decided to see just what it would take to get from that end of the map to the top of that tower using Anakin Skywalker. And honestly, I don't know why we did that. I think it was just for the heck of it. But we found out that using Anakin's force jumps and going to specific locations on the map, we could get from the opposite end of Moss Eisley to the top of that tower in five jumps. Mm. And I know that that doesn't sound super impressive. Like, that's why you're saying, mmm. Like, I don't know what to say to that. (laughs) No, no. But it's one of those things that's like a memory that sticks out to me. You know, we were just fooling around, having fun, doing our thing. And we decide to take Anakin Skywalker and use his Force Jumps ability to see just where we can go and how far we can go. And I used my parents' old camcorder to record this. Like, this is this is before you can do picture-in-picture picture, Let's Play kind of stuff. I just used my camcorder and just recorded this happening. And somewhere, I've got highly pixelated video footage that we made it all the way across Moss Eisley in five jumps. And we were wow. apparently super impressed with this. And I vividly recall that when we make it to the top of the tower and we do like this panorama shot looking over the rest of Moss Eisley, my buddy Paco comments, this reminds me so much of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, you're right. Uh, like, I, I totally get that. But where do you think Assassin's Creed got it from, bro? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, 
there's just so many different memories. That's one that stands out to me. More recently, uh, I played a campaign where it was it, it was on um, Utapau. And it was my my character was the last unit out of my 150. And there were like three that were left for the droids. And I ended up turning it into a rocket launcher dude and blew up one of the droid tanks. And then a uh, a, a droid commander came down to my uh, to my CP and tried to blow me up. And I just shot him down with my award rifle. And then it turned into a one v one, and I just had oh I just had to figure out where this last dude was and had to gun him down before he gunned me down, and oh, wow. that was one of the more intense battles that I've ever played because it was literally just me versus the AI, and if I didn't win, I was going to be so mad at myself. But thankfully, I found out that it was a Magna Guard that was actually stuck near the first CP. He couldn't get out. He had somehow trapped himself. And I was able to take him down really easy. But for a while there, I was pretty nervous. And I think that's the beauty of this game is even 14 years old, it's still an intense ride. That is that game, man. It's so great. And funnily enough, it ties in directly with our quote of the night tonight. That it does. I mean... It would it would probably be like one of the biggest mistakes of the whole episode if we didn't do something related to Battlefront. I mean, I think right. it's pretty safe to say that even if it didn't land on people's top five lists, they've probably at least played it or seen footage of it, like everybody that submitted something tonight. So it's pretty fair that we do something Battlefront related. And we were tossing around all kinds of different ideas of what we could use to for people to listen to. Um, and finally, I was like, you know what? Let's do something from Battlefront 2, more specifically something from the, what was it, the story mode? The, the cut scenes from the story mode when you're playing as the clone troopers during the rise of the Empire. Like, right, right. There's the it's, it's the I guess, I guess it's the main story campaign of Battlefront yep. Two, where you're you're playing as the clone troopers that turn into the stormtroopers, but you have this great voiceover work from Timur Morrison, who played the clones, and he did this whole thing where he would kind of do these intermediates before and after the levels and kind of narrate these great things. And really good stuff, and that's what we got. We got one on tonight. We could have got all of them, but maybe it's a bit much. Um, so we picked out one of our favorites. I mean, it's like 18 minutes of cutscenes if we wanted to do the whole thing. But there was one when I was watching it that particularly stood out to me, and it was the one on Felucia with Ayla nice. Sakura. Uh, she doesn't have a very big role in the Clone Wars, and she doesn't have a very big moment in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, she's there for a few seconds, and then she's gone. But you get a little bit more backstory on that campaign and how hellacious it was and how they knew Order 66 was approaching and they they just didn't want to say goodbye to her, but they knew that they had to. It's just a really, really interesting element. Even though it's kind of a shorter quote, it's really compelling. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let Tim Morrison do it for us now. Ladies and gentlemen, here is tonight's quote of the night. It's been said that the 501st got the best of the war. We also got the worst. 
Unfalusia, the Sips dug their metal heels into the muck of that alien hellhole and dared the Republic to come in after them. So we did. Only to be met with the month after month of flesh-eating diseases, shrieking nocturnal predators, and other sights that haunt me to this day. Cut off and for all we knew abandoned by our superiors, our only hope was Ayla Sekuda, our Jedi commander. Without her iron will, none of us would have come out of that mess with our sanity for our lives. When her death came, I hope it was quick. She earned that much. When the 501st was finally rotated out of Felucia, Ayla Sakura made a point of seeing us off personally, calling us the bravest soldiers she had ever seen. It's a good thing we were wearing helmets, because none of us could bear to look her in the eye. That, man. Tim Morrison just killed Oh, that's such a great quote when he says she had earned that much. Like, holy crap. Oh, my gosh. Oh. And I love that he's talking, it's not like in the moment, he's talking like in retrospect, like all this stuff has already happened. Like, he, he knows. Like, yeah, we're the ones that killed her. It's, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like a, it's like a after the fact diary entry kind of thing. Exactly. It's so brilliant. They really did. And they did so much with so little. Like, you don't see any of the clones. Like, you don't see their faces or anything like that. It's just this footage from the game, and you get his voiceover. And that's all you need. It's really a great storytelling technique. It really is. And it, it makes for a lot more exposition for the stuff between the lines. Because you don't... You don't get that kind of stuff in episode three, but you get it in the game, which is really cool. Yeah. This was kind of the beginning of like adding layers to the clones, like something we would really only we get to see in Clone Wars. But this was kind of the first layer of like giving the clones personality and kind of like showing that, yeah, they kind of had remorse for being used to destroy the Jedi, like all this stuff. Like they really... You know, they weren't always on board with that. So I love that whole dynamic. It's really, really fascinating to watch uh, and, and participate in. That's the other cool thing is it's part of the story mode. So you're the one that's doing all of this. And it's yeah. it's fascinating to watch, fascinating to be a part of. And speaking Absolutely. speaking of being a part of, if you want to be a part of the podcast and become a patron of the program, you can do so on ipcpodcast.podbean.com. People like Joey Mays, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Parker Ott are already a part of the patron system, and we could not do what we do without them. The levels only go from one U.S. dollar to five U.S. dollars per month. If you live in the U.S., that is just one fewer Starbucks latte per month. It's really not a whole lot but you do get a whole lot of exclusive benefits, including top billing on these top five episodes, patron shout-outs on literally every episode that we do, and a whole lot more. So for more information, be sure to check that out. And just follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. Uh, you can find previous episodes on iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, StarWarsUnderworld.com, and our hosting site, Podbean, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Absolutely. So thank you to all of them, and thank you for tuning into this episode. We are not quite done yet, though. We do have one final segment of the evening, and it should be interesting. So ladies and gentlemen, get out your hashtags. 
start putting them in the chat if you're listening live and only one of you are so george talking to you man everybody else (laughs) that follows us at ipc podcast on those social media platforms then start using that hashtag facebook twitter instagram and everything else in between because it's time one more time for hashtag bbq watch barbecue barbecue And there we go. Okay, so I've got something for this topic tonight, and I I don't really know how I feel about this. I'm I'm still I'm still trying to figure it out. But um, about 24 hours ago, not even that much. Uh, probably closer to 12 hours ago, we got the news that a uh, Texas-owned restaurant chain was recently purchased oh i think i heard something about this a a majority ownership of one of my favorite restaurants of all time whataburger has been bought by bdt capital partners Hmm. and that's one of the things that had been so endearing about whataburger for so long is that it was family owned and operated that's on just about every uh, sign or every restaurant that is part of this chain down here in the South is family-owned since 1955 or something like that. But the problem is the chain has been stuck in the Bible Belt, which is you know the the South uh, area, you know from like Texas to Florida, basically. Uh, there might be a couple in like Tennessee or something like that. But for the most part, it goes like Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. That's that's about it. And that's one problem that I've had with the with the franchises. You only get it in the deep south. Yeah. BDT, did I get that right? BDT? BDT is a uh, is a capital partnership and LLC based out of Chicago, and it's actually got uh, majority ownership in other um, companies like Sara Lee Bread and Panera. Uh, okay. So this this is a this is a corporation that has experience in partnering with family owned and operated businesses and helping them expand. For a while, Panera wasn't well known, but now it's super trendy, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how nationwide it is, but I feel like it's, it's more trendy than it was several years ago, and so now there's, there's this, this, this problem because there's a lot of classic burgers out there, including barbecue-related burgers, that people are worried about no longer being on the menu. They feel like the recipe's going to change. They feel like the culture's going to change now that BDT has bought out. Whataburger. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, Ben, as a 
as someone who's worked in a family owned and operated restaurant and somebody that has, you know, partaken of Whataburger on several occasions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's your take on a, a big company like BDT taking a majority stock in a family owned and operated establishment like Whataburger? Yeah, it's I mean, things like these are complicated because, you know, there's there's obvious advantages and there's obvious disadvantages. You know, just just the the idea, the the whole, you know, feeling of like, hey, this this is a a big company, but at the same time it's a it's a small company. It's a family owned thing. And Whataburger is pretty big, you know, where you and I live. Um, you know, it's not so big in other parts of the country. And it feels kind of special, you know, because of that. And, you know, and, and it seemed like Whataburger's doing pretty good, but I don't know what their financial situation is. I'm assuming there was a really good reason why they were bought by this, you know, LLC. Um, and that's – it's a common thing. People don't necessarily even realize. Like, for a while, Olive Garden and Red Lobster were owned by the same company. I think it's Darden or whatever. They owned a bunch of different restaurants. So, like – there's a lot of restaurants, some of your favorite restaurants that, you know, are ones that are a thing, but they're also huge companies. And, you know, anybody knows, like, corporations don't behave like, you know, small businesses. And corporations make big, dumb decisions. And they do stupid stuff. And it, it sucks because, and sometimes, you know, when a, you know, something is part of a thing, you know, you know, take for example Lucasfilm and Disney. Lucasfilm was a you know a private organization, a independent film company, and then it's bought by Disney. And you know, for the there's big advantages to that. There's advantages that now they have a lot of resources and they are creating content, Star Wars content, just limitless seemingly. Um, but there's also you know some drawbacks to that. That you know it's not this quaint little Lucasfilm anymore. It's part of this grand big part and yeah i just compared lucasfilm to whataburger um <laughs> which is crazy to think about but i think there's there's merit in the comparison i think there's merit in the idea that you know yeah whataburger it's it's it sucks that they're gonna you know be part of this big machine as opposed to just being this small thing but hopefully they can still contain themselves and keep their head on straight and, and hopefully not be too over throne i guess lack of a better term you know trying to do this hopefully they won't change too much because i know i've known several companies especially restaurants that they're they're good when they're small and then they start getting big and they start doing some really bad things um hopefully waterburger can keep keep it going and 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 keep the charm up and not uh not lose their heads because they they got it's it's one of the you know, we all love Whataburger, but just like just the general quality of the food and the service you get is normally b better than what you get anywhere else. Like fast food is known for not being the best at that, but Whataburger is one of the better ones. So I hope they can keep that up. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, one of one of the local articles that I found um, from WFAA, which is the local ABC affiliate uh, here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. They they said that uh, Whataburger does business of about two billion dollars a year. Wow! So they're they're making money hand over fist, but they don't really have the business expertise to expand properly. And so under this new ownership, Whataburger is going to remain headquartered in San Antonio, Texas, 
and will be led by, quote, a team of key Whataburger executives with more than 150 combined years of experience with the brand, end quote. Um, so it sounds like the leadership team is going to be relatively experienced in the upkeep of Whataburger, and the headquarters isn't moving to Chicago, even though that's where BDT is located. And apparently, BDT has really been investing in breakfast foods, because listen to this. They've got Sara Lee's Coffee brand, Pete's Coffee and Tea, Caribou Coffee, Majority Steak in both Krispy Kreme and Dunkin', and Einstein's, in addition to Panera. Wow. So they've got a lot of hands in the fire, I guess, if you will. Did I use two different metaphors there? Uh, yeah, you usually, fire? Put iron, you, you usually put irons in the and fire hands and hands in yeah, something else. Yeah, that would be awkward. Hands in the fire. You're going to yeah. get burned eventually on these business deals. <laughs> um, but we got what but you mean. Here's, here's a, a uh, senior lecturer at a school of business at uh, SMU. He says, the Whataburger model is working relatively well right now. This acquisition was really all about Whataburger trying to enlist some outside help to help them raise their capital and the expertise to expand nationwide. That's been my thing, is Whataburger is not nationwide. It's really local. And so with BDT being in Chicago and with all of these other businesses that they have helped grow and expand, there's an opportunity out there for Whataburger to expand to the Midwest and then eventually expand nationwide. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that the recipe doesn't change but the locations just increase. That's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario, they go through a complete overhaul and we don't even recognize this restaurant anymore. And I think that's what most people are scared of happening and what I am hoping for the most doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully, like I said, they hopefully they can just, you know, keep doing what they're doing. And that's 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 the big thing, especially with restaurants consistency yep. people want to go back tomorrow next week next year next decade in a hundred years and they want to be able to get the same thing and get this get the same experience and the same food and the same service and that doesn't always work out unfortunately but it's it's something to aspire to be and you know you, you can only do so much but at the same time people want don't people don't like change people don't like you know Things people like things to stay the same, especially when it comes to their 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 water chicken or their you know their their toaster sandwich or whatever they're getting from from Whataburger, and you start screwing with that stuff, and you know they're gonna make people mad. So hopefully, they can just allow Whataburger to exist and do better, and hopefully not uh, you know not lose some of the charm. Well, I guess only time will tell. But speaking of time, I believe that is all the time we've got for this episode. Ben, where can the folks at home keep up with you outside of the show? They can find me, as they can find the show, uh, each and every episode of IPC shows up on StarWarsUnderworld.com every week. And you can find pretty much everything that I do over there. Star Wars Underworld podcasts, all the news and rumors and all the crazy stuff that's happening in Star Wars is going over there, anything that I write. Um, and, uh, you know, you can find me at, uh, at Ben Hart with No E on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's totally awesome. 
Well, we're looking forward to that and looking forward to any new announcements. You can keep up with all of that on StarWarsUnderworld.com. They are proud partners of the IPC podcast, so be sure to check them out anytime you're trying to find Star Wars news. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as well at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. As I mentioned in the middle of the show, I just recently wrapped up another podcast called Call the Banners. If you're interested in Game of Thrones, be sure to check that out and check out our friends over at the Fandom Cantina. That's where you can find the links to all of that. You can find the links to all of our stuff on StarWarsOnWorld.com, but also on IPCPodcast.Podbean.com. Pod as in podcast, bean as in green bean. IPCPodcast.Podbean.com. And all of our swag is available. Shirts, mugs, notebooks, totes, posters, stickers for your computer, everything you could possibly think of. I think there's even hats on there if you know where to look. You can find all of that at tpublic, T-E-E, public.com slash user slash IPC podcast. About 35% of whatever you spend at that tpublic site comes right back to the IPC podcast. So get your swag, represent, put it on social media. We'll repost it, obviously, and uh, we'll share what kind of IPC swag we're going to be wearing as well. I just made a new purchase myself recently. Yes, I do invest in myself. That is a thing, and that is allowed. So be sure to go check us out there as well. <laughs> but, uh, man, it's been fun doing top fives as always. Looking forward to the next one and looking forward to whatever next week has in store for us. Yeah, heck yeah. But until that time, I think we're just going to say goodbye for now. Episode 242 of the IPC Podcast is now officially in the books. For Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. The strong survive. The noble overcome. We hope to see you overcomers next time here on the IPC Podcast. But until then, good night, everyone. (laughs) 